Black Lives Matter. These past few months have been exhausting. While the nationwide protests against systemic abuses of power, racism, and police departments have endured throughout the summer, police violence against the black community has not dwindled, and there have been innumerable examples of explicit racism being abetted in police departments, with white nationalist vigilantes being encouraged and exonerated for murder, to say nothing of the continued murders of black civilians by police. This year has not been kind to us in other ways. Well, if what is going on in the world wasn't distressing enough, we've also suffered a lot of losses. One particularly tragic and timely one was the passing of Chadwick Boseman, who, besides being an incredibly young actor with incredible pedigree of performances in his filmography, with so much more ahead of him, he was symbolically an inspiring hero who Spoil as Black Panther meant so much to the Black community and his loss has been felt so deeply. Chadwick's passing comes in the wake of a growing conversation of the silence struggles, invisibility, and poor on-screen behind-the-scenes representation of Black creatives in the entertainment industry. There have been consistent conversations and revelations of Black creators being dismissed or diminished in professional settings with their ideas stolen and reappropriated by white creators, like in the case of Nick's Now Cancelled New Preschool Show, made by Maddie, which was a show about a black family made by a white woman, plagiarizing the Oscar-winning short film Hair Love, which was actually made by black creators. And we also had Shira, showrunner Noel Stevenson, making a racist joke and passing on a recent live stream. TV writer Kate Let's storied pattern of racism come to like it again. After a recent call-out, a show pushed to control by a POC creator being dismissed because of the previous controversy surrounding their marketing of High Guardian Spice, making them unwilling for your shows with diversity. The list of examples and abuses goes on and on and on. And to add on to all of this, there's been a recent trend of black characters from anime being whitewashed by racists and a targeted harassment campaign against black artists and anime fans on social media, which is a new iteration of the longer, persistent trend of racism and harassment and gatekeeping in anime fan communities that has been going on for far, far too long. And it is in the light of all these current events and turbulence that we find ourselves releasing this podcast about the representation and inclusion of black men in the anime market community. This podcast has been in the works for a while. We started planning this months before the renewed conversations about systemic racism in our culture, but I wanted to use Among Mavericks to amplify more black voices in the community and have a critical conversation about representation and inclusivity in this space. These recent events have only highlighted the necessity of why these conversations must be held so that we can work together to address problems and work towards creating genuinely inclusive spaces in both the anime manga industry and fandom. In this spirit, we invited on a group of black creatives in the fan community who have long advocated for these critical conversations and championed spaces to highlight diverse perspectives to discuss their experiences as black anime fans. Our guests are the black manga critic and anime manga YouTuber who does live stream reviews and series he loves while also doing vlogs discussing broader problems playing discourse and mistreatment of marginalized groups in the community. Eunice Obama, the founder of Black Girls Anime, an organization who promotes the visibility and protections of black women through social media and a website publishing reviews and editorials written by black fans. 
BGA News. Naja Beck, who runs the Otome and BL-focused blog Blurdy Otome, has written extensively about the representation of black characters in media's Dormelon and Monday features. And Ash, also known as the Macabre Chap, who runs the Mecha-focused podcast Bellcasters and is the creator of the Black Anime Podcast Directory, a resource dedicated to compiling the extensive list of podcasts hosted by black anime fans and promoting their work. BMC, Eunice, Naja, and Ash share their experiences enjoying anime as kids, being judged for liking anime or anime of certain kinds, and the various forms of gatekeeping discrimination they've witnessed or experienced themselves, specifically for being black anime fans. I'm incredibly grateful for their participation and want to thank them again for their time and perspectives. If there's one takeaway from our conversation I'd like to emphasize before you listen to this podcast proper, it's the importance of being kind. Think about how difficult living in this world can be, and think about what you can do to make someone's day just a bit better. Consider the consequences of your words, have empathy for those who would be hurt by them. Fan communities have the potential to be uplifting spaces where people can freely enjoy the media they love with each other. A space of love and community, a place where People can support, encourage, and look out for one another, and I don't think we're living up to that promise yet. Black and POC voices matter. Let's do the work to make sure they're heard. So, let's start. Let's listen. We got places to go, things to do, people to see, and we gotta get it done right away. Just be a team, thinking and thieves, and we all trying to help find a way. If you know the destination, we making conversation. Time is ticket, sun is setting, we got no time for waiting. Might be a showdown, look like it's about to go down. Bust through with the cannon at the whole down. Anime and manga are beloved worldwide and enjoyed by passionate fans of all walks of life. However, Marginalized voices are often not represented or visible in community events, conversations, or even the media we enjoy itself. But people of color, fans, and creatives have done so much great and essential work for this fandom, black fans in particular. Recently, there's been a long overdue movement in creative and professional circles to amplify and spotlight the voices of black creatives and fandoms and industries. And I want to use manga mavericks to amplify more black voices in the community and have a critical conversation about representation and inclusivity. And so today, we've invited on an excellent panel of Black creatives in the anime manga space who come from different backgrounds, YouTubing, blogging, podcasting, social media, to share their experiences and perspectives about representation and inclusiveness in the anime manga fandom. And I'd like you guys to each introduce yourselves and the work you do, starting with our returning guest, the Black Manga Critic. Hey, what's going on, everybody? So, I am a YouTuber, manga YouTuber. I usually usually react to, you know, different types of manga, and kind of sporadically. Like, sometimes I have a schedule, sometimes I don't. Definitely got to be better about that. And I also, you know, tend to do, like, videos on, you know, topics that I'm invested in. So, you know, different, like, topics that I think are really important for, like, you know, like, just to, just to kind of discuss. And I'm on Twitter a lot. 
So, you know, you can find me on Twitter at The Manga Scholar. You can find me on YouTube at The Black Manga Critic. And my pronouns are he, him. And I'm bi. Thank you. And Eunice, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Um, hi, my name is Eunice. I am the creator of Black Girls Anime, and we're, like, basically your news feed. Um, I go by, a lot of people call me Anime Auntie, so I kind of just, like, capitalized on that and just became everyone's aunt <laughs> online. Um, <laughs> that's really what I do. All I do is, like, tweet anime news, what's happening, manga-related news, sometimes Korean news, if I'm feeling spicy. Uh, <laughs> my, I guess, I didn't know pronouns. Um, everyone else are she her yeah that's about it um i'm 24 but i'm about to be 25 in 60 days so that's hey. what I'm oh, nice awesome thank you nasha would you like to introduce yourself sure uh hey guys uh my name is nasha i run the gaming site blurdy otome i focus primarily on otome games uh indie games mostly kind of stuff that flies under the radar of mainstream the mainstream gaming community my pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter account is at Beck Naja, and I'm on Instagram as well as Blurdy Otome. And you can find me on my site, BlurdyOtome.com. Awesome. Thank you. And now, Ash, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Ash, at the macabre chap on Twitter. Um, I go by Ash, usually, or Ash Bad Guy. Um, my pronouns are he, him. I am a Jamaican British otaku. I run blackanimepodcast.com, which is a directory and discovery tool for black otaku to discover anime podcasts by black creators. I also run uh, tokupods.com, which is a, another directory and discovery tool, but for tokusatsu podcasts. That being Japanese um, live action special effects dramas, you know, Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, Ultraman. Um, I'm, I also podcast about Gundam and mecha anime on my podcast, Buildcasters, which takes its name from Gundam Buildfires. Uh, so, yeah, my timeline is an endless um, array of Togusatsu memes and Gundam <laughs> shit posts. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a great timeline. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming on to the show to, you know, share your perspectives. Like, I invited Iju on here because I really love the work you all do and the spaces that you've created to share your perspectives and amplify those of others. And I really, really appreciate that. And I kind of just want to start with where you guys started like how you got into anime when you were younger how you fell in love with the medium whoever wants to kind of start off with that conversation i mean i can go first if people want me to so um i initially got into anime back in the late 90s slash early 2000s um by watching gundam wing and Cowboy Bebop on UK Toonami, which was actually a network over here, and another network called CNX, which stood for like Cartoon Network Extreme. Um, so they used to show anime like Gundam Wing, uh, Cowboy Bebop, Outlaw Star, and so on and so forth. Uh, so that was my gateway drug into anime, as well as obviously Digimon Adventure, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, etc., etc. So yeah, that was my gateway drug into anime. I'm 
I was born in 92, so I'm what you would call part of the Toonami generation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what drew you to anime? Like, what was it about the shows themselves that really spoke to you? Um, I'm just going to put this as bluntly as possible, because maybe it's an idiosyncrasy that can be attributed to my autism, but big fucking giant shooty robots. That's what... <laughs> That's why I liked Megas XLR as well. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's such a great show. But, yeah, Giant Robots, that is such, like, a specific thing to anime that is so unique to that medium that you don't see in Western media. And so, like, years later, it makes sense that you have a podcast devoted to gushing <laughs> over mega anime. Of course. Oh, and Escaflone as well. Like, I will show Escaflone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic. Like, Shoji Kawamori is the god. I actually met him in person last year, so that oh was a gosh, whole thing. Oh my gosh, nice. Yeah. Wow, that's sweet. And so, who else would like to, like, share their origins? Uh, Eunice? Yeah, oh, sorry. Um, So, I got into anime as a kid. I, I started off with Sailor Moon. I actually, um, that's kind of when I figured I had insomnia also, <laughs> because... For me, I didn't know what anime was. I was like a kid. I didn't know at the time that it was anime until I like, got a little older. But I started off with Sailor Moon on Toonami and I saw this magical girl transforming and I was obsessed. So every day from then, when I first saw her, I would wake up. I'll wait till everybody in my house goes to sleep because I lived in Queens. So I'll wait till everybody goes to bed and then I will come up out of the bed and I would just watch her. And she would like, it would be like times when she'd be fighting Queen Beryl or, you know, like when she would be just doing her thing. I'd be like, yeah, that's my girl kill them but they'll never really die (laughs) (laughs) that shit irritated me but i was like that's my girl i was so i'm like super super i didn't know how crazy i was about sailor moon until i got older when somebody made fun of her and i actually got offended i was looking at myself like damn this is a cartoon because i didn't know what it was i was like this is a cartoon but i'm really really passionate like i'm really about to fight you that's crazy but yeah and then it became an obsession like it really became um unhealthy obsession honestly because like right now i'm like at 300 mangas that i own physical copies and it's becoming an expensive hobby like wow mm-hmm. i don't know how i'm doing this you guys i don't even know how i'm coping how are any of us coping but the guy that said he loves mecca <laughs> Um, I love that. I love Mecca more than anything in this world, and Escaflone is my heart. So I'm kind of jealous of you. I won't even lie. I'm just <laughs> 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 like, what the hell? Why? Why wasn't that me? I just yes. <laughs> <laughs> right there with you. Where did you meet Kawamori? Did he come to a convention um, in London? So it was at a um, it was at an event at the Barbican Center in London. Um, that was ah. like focusing around his work, um, specifically Macross, and um, like basically the culture around giant robots and tropes around them. So yeah, that was like super super interesting. Awesome. I met him, and I got to like speak to him about his design work specifically on Gundam, and his design work on Escafloni as well, and um, Aquarion, and so on and so forth. Speaking to him for like a good 15 minutes for his translator was pretty dope. Can't lie. Whoa, that's really great. In my mm. life, that's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, you need. You should have flown to London. I, you know what? I, I didn't know. Like, what, what the heck? This should be me. I'm just saying. I would be saying. I'm just kidding. But yeah. But you just, you've talked about like how Sailor Moon really grabbed you when you were younger. But I'm wondering, from Sailor Moon and then on to, into other anime, what about anime really spoke to you? Oh my god! So I grew up like in this weird place and you know i grew up in times that were not okay so anime in general was just like an escape for me almost because of like everything that i saw outside um it was like an escape for me that's why i was so ashamed of it because like you know to be fair okay this is just a little story right so like in high school like i was in anime club right look okay just just i was in anime club but then when like photos and you know time when they do yearbooks and stuff I ran away. That's how, like, that's how uh, conflicted I am about anime. Cause like, I love anime so much, but I was also ashamed of it growing up. You know what I mean? So, like, anime was always an escape for me, but it was really weird for me at the same time where I wouldn't, like, the only people that I knew I watched anime were my close friends, and even they made fun of me. So, yeah, it was a weird time. <laughs> growing up was really weird with anime because I would watch it, like, I knew so much. Like, I was on, um, sci fi networks, I was on on demand online anime watching but i wouldn't tell people because like who wants to be made fun of for watching japanese cartoons apparently that's what people used to call them but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was hard out here y'all listen it was hard out here mm. <laughs> i feel that yeah in my chest that's right i feel that i feel it <laughs> yeah that that's something i wanted to speak to is like how People, you know, when they were getting to anime, when they, you guys were younger, like, how did other people, you know, perceive and, you know, look upon you for your fandom? Like, were you welcomed in as part of, like, a community who also enjoy these things? Or, you know, were you not welcomed? Were, did people, like, look at you funny for saying, oh, you like anime? I mean, to speak just from my experience, you know, I, for the longest time, was pretty alone in my love of anime when I was a kid. And even when I entered into high school, you know, as, you know, a person of color in a very suburban, very white kind of neighborhood and schooling system, I was still alone in that respect. There weren't a whole lot of other, you know, people of color who were enjoying anime, even though it did get better in the sense that I did start to have a little more people in high school that I could talk to about anime. But I was wondering your guys' like experiences on that. I guess I can go. Yeah, Naja. Wow. I love that you knew my voice like that. <laughs> but uh, my start was pretty similar to everyone else's. I started with Sailor Moon on Cartoon Network on Toonami. I started with Yu-Gi-Oh! I started with um, Pokemon, but like for me, Pokemon was like the end all for me. I love Pokemon. I had dreams of becoming a Pokemon um, master. Oh my gosh. Which absolutely drove my mom nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember like I would come home from school and I would just sit in front of the TV and just watch Pokemon. I, it was my thing. It was my thing. I knew all the Pokemon names. I knew the Pokemon rap at one point. I don't know. So don't oh. ask me to sing it. Um, <laughs> and it was just this huge, like it felt, it was like, oh my God, this is something that's really cool that I'm into. And then as I grew up, because at the time it was just, you know, they were just cartoons. We didn't realize they were anime because they were poorly dubbed. But 
We just thought they were cartoons. So <laughs> you're watching these and you're talking with your friends and you're like, yeah, did you see the new Pokemon episode? Oh, did you see the new Sailor Moon episode? And it was great. It was a great way to have a conversation. But then as I got older, folks weren't watching them. They weren't watching anime anymore. They didn't really care about it. It was cartoons. It was kids stuff. But I still was really interested in it. I was really into it. So it was always kind of weird. Um and I lived in the South. So either you were playing sports or you were like a cheerleader. And that was kind of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm in here. I'm out here watching anime and really getting into it. And I started to evolve and grow um, in what I was watching. Like Eunice said, I was on On Demand because I know the anime network used to do On Demand. Um, Sci-Fi had Anna Mondays. I was on Toonami. I was on Adult Swim. I was on YouTube. I was looking anywhere (laughs) I could to get my hands on anime. And um, when I hit high school, I ended up meeting a lot of folks who were into anime too. Mind you, none of them were black like me. Um, It was mostly white or Asian um, classmates. But they were in anime. So I had an anime community. Um, within my high school experience, however, because I was in the anime club, just like Eunice, I will not lie. Um, <laughs> though I was a ghost member, I rarely showed up. And it was mostly because I just didn't feel like doing group activities. I was, you know, oh, same, up to, same. to GDI. So I just didn't <laughs> show up. Um, but like I had a group, I had people that I could talk to about it, but there were no other black kids that were into anime with me, especially in Georgia. Nobody cared. And the minute I started talking about pokemon or games or anime they just kind of gave me this look like yeah you're just that weird friend you're just you're just in that weird stuff it's okay we love you anyway (laughs) pat pat so um i would talk with my select group about anime and manga but like anyone outside of that it wasn't really a conversation and then with my folks they were all like schoolwork or you're cheerleading and i did one year for them never did it again um but it wasn't something I could talk to them about. So I used to, I'm gonna, my mom's probably gonna listen to this, but I used to sneak and watch my anime. Like I would, I would literally sneak their laptop on Saturdays when they were at the football field for my brothers. And I'd watch like, um, Death Note or Blood Plus or like my parents' TV in their room. That was the only TV that had on demand. So I would like, when they would leave with the car pulled out of the driveway, I'd check, I'd wait the five minutes just to make sure they weren't coming back. And then I'd tiptoe into the room, <laughs> go to On Demand and just start watching. Um, that's how I watched like Boogie Pop Phantom, Red yep. Garden. I watched Maburajo, um, Jane Bandit King. Like I went ham. I even caught, <laughs> there's actually a funny story about how I watched Gravitation. Um, I happened to miss a couple of weeks and the way On Demand was set up, you could all, you, they would have certain episodes up for a week and then they'd be gone and it'd be the next set of episodes. So I missed the first six episodes of Gravitation. So I started at episode six. So I'm watching this anime like, man, this is cool. That pink haired girl, man, she needs to get that guy. And I'm watching this. This is a boys love, by the way. So I'm watching like, yeah, that pink haired girl, she needs to get him. I don't know what, I don't know what's wrong with Yuki. So I'm watching it. My younger brother walks in and he's like, it's the scene where they're in the hospital and I'm forgetting his name right now, but he kisses Yuki while he's in the hospital. And I'm like, oh, yeah, fine. Get your man. Get your man. And my brother walks in and he's like, why are those two boys kissing? I was like, what are you talking about? That's not a boy. That's a girl. And he's like, no, that's a boy. Why are those two boys kissing? And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> You're right. That is a dude. Oh, my God. And he's like, I'm telling. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just, you know, it was really 
a my kind of thing. I did have friends. That, like I said, I had friends at school that I could exchange manga with. Um, I had a friend. She was really into like really obscure manga, so she got me into like addicted to curry and um, this this series, um, Family Compo. None of these are oh, yeah. none of these are available in the states. They're translated in French though, which mm-hmm. is not fair. Um, so she got me into like really obscure series like that, and it just kind of grew from there. I went to Howard for my undergrad, and I found my tribe. I found my anime tribe, and it was great. It was fantastic. I found my clique of Black folks who liked anime and manga, and we were in the Japanese Culture Club, and we were just out here talking about anime, and it was fantastic. But, yeah, growing up, no, not in Georgia. <laughs> Don't bring it up. It's okay. Games, absolutely, but anime? My mom still calls them those cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you were able to find a community in college, but yeah, I mean, when you were a kid, it sounds like you were sneaking around trying to get anime wherever you could. I sure was. <laughs> well, I, used to think, um, I was sneaking around, like, I was watching Android. I don't know if you guys, um, that's a mecha series. Yeah. And it has, like, girls and, like, characters. Yes. And I had, um, just, yes. <laughs> I got me from the library. I don't even remember how I got that. So my mom and my sister had gone to bed, and then I came outside, and I put it in the DVD player, and I was watching it. All of a sudden, a big boob girl came on the screen, and then my mom opened the room door, and she was coming out to so watch the TV on. So I turned off the TV, and I started, and I lay flat on the ground, and my mom's like, "What's what are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm just you know, I got t- I just want to come out and sleep." She was like, "Turn on the TV." My heart was racing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She was, if you watch Evandred, you know that they're always they're always doing like the most promiscuous stuff, but it's not even meant to be that way. <laughs> so like, my heart started racing, and I, I had the, the remote to the DVD player in my in my backside. I like was clicking power. I really saw my uh, my life flash between my eyes. My mom. I, like since I was a kid, like now as I'm a grown woman, she like understands. But like, when I was a kid, she did not get anime. She thought that shit was weird. She's like, "This is like, what are you doing? Like every time, not until every day, every day, Salamun, like all that shit." So when that happened, I you guys, when I tell you, I almost died. I literally saw, I saw heaven. I literally saw heaven gates open for me because I was, <laughs> I was having the I know that story and I feel it. Yeah, yo, when yeah. she. TV and the and the um the DVD thing was um was just doing like you know like back in the day how the DVD sign will go from left to right up and down. When mm-hmm. I tell you that's what it left off on, oh my heart! And then when she like he said go to bed, I grabbed the DVD and then I ended up breaking it. So oh, no. Like, no. <laughs> I was oh, no. I have an African mom. We don't play that. Like she probably thought I was really she would have thought she thought I was watching porn or something. So I had to like. I had to think, like I had to, you know, I had to sacrifice what I love, but whew, that asshole was definitely not needed. So I'm good. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. what a cool call. <laughs> I told you guys, I was, I had a heart attack, you guys. Like I literally, my heart was beating outside my chest. Like I was sweating. Oh my God. I looked guilty. I looked like I was committing crimes. Like, oh my God. I, oh my my God. mom brings that up. She's like, I remember that day I caught you watching anime. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? You caught me? You ain't caught shit. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> she used to touch the TV if it was warm. She knew. 
She knew I was watching. <laughs> like she knew she was. That's what she did. She started feeling it. Like it's warm. What you been watching? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Wow. <laughs> Active monitoring. Uh, yeah, Najanda. By the way, that gravitation story hit home for me because I didn't know what boy love was as a kid. I didn't think he was. I didn't think Yuki was a a girl, but I just didn't understand it. But I was man, that ending song was so fire to me. I would watch. That used to be my ringtone for a long time. You too. Thank you. Okay. Yes. For the longest, the opening and the endings were my ringtones on my phone, and then like my phone broke. I lost. Man, spicy marmalade used to be my oh, I used to go crazy. Yes. Okay, we need to talk, need to talk gravitation at another point. Oh, I, you guys are getting me interested too. We should curl back to that. I missed the first five episodes, so I didn't realize because I caught that episode where he dressed up in the sailor suit because he thought <laughs> he thought Gary liked girls, so he dressed up as a girl to entice him. So that's what I saw, and I was like, "Oh, it must be a short hair, pink, you know, pink haired girl." It's anime. It's whatever. I didn't think anything of it. So my brother walks in and he's like, "Why are those two guys kissing?" And I'm like, "What are you talking? About? No, that's not a guy. I'm in denial. I'm trying to like deny it." And he's like, not as totally two guys. I'm telling mom. And I'm like, please, God, don't. Please don't. Like you said, your life flashed your eyes, your heart pattern. Yeah, that was me. I was like, please, God, I don't need to die today. Not over this. I definitely know the feeling of have, have having like a mind blowing, like queer awakening thanks to androgynous anime boys. <laughs> but yeah, the, sto- the story of like also trying to hide, like, problematic potentially anime from your parents like crowding around the tv i have a similar story in my case though i think i I was overreacting because i was trying to prevent like my uncle from like looking at a scene of dragon ball gt i was watching in which general wildo was like naked but if you if you look at that character it's not there's nothing there there's no genitalia or anything it's just like uh masculine alien dude that just it doesn't it's not wearing clothes so but as like a eight-year-old or whatever i was like oh no he's naked i got i can't let my family see this (laughs) those moments those moments we really struggled as kids man we were out here just catching how to over anime (laughs) we were about to have our own death over anime man I legit had a moment. I I put my leg through a ceiling. My mom was like, "Yo, clean the clean the attic," since you're not coming with us to the football field. I'm like, "All right, bet." So I took the laptop up there. I'm watching DNA Angels. I'm like, you know, might as well kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> I missed a beam, and my leg went straight through the ceiling. And oh you would think you would think I'd have been, you know, like worried about the ceiling. No, I was worried about my mom catching me with that laptop watching <laughs> DNA Angel. So I'm like, quick, quick, erasing the history. I'm doing everything, and then I'm looking at my leg like, dang, now I gotta, now I gotta handle this. Now I'm gonna handle this. I was like, put the laptop back first, then call them about the ceiling. Right. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> Yo, my life was at stake. My life, that laptop. Would have got me killed. The ceiling. <laughs> That's fine. There's no problem. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, life or anime, death or anime. <laughs> that seems to be the common theme. Like struggling alone to protect our love of anime. BMC, do you have like a similar experience? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I wouldn't say like I had it when I was young. Young, like, I think like in terms of like getting into anime. Uh, yeah, definitely like. You know, 
drag like Dragon Ball Z um, when it was on, like when it was on the WB and it would come on like on the weekends. Like mm-hmm. it come on on like Sundays in the morning, and I would like get up to watch that, and that was like awesome. And and, and it, it's weird, and I don't know if anybody else has this experience, but like it would come on when like my parents were like yo you got to get ready for church and this is when i was still going to church this is when i was still like you know doing that and they were like and, and all my brothers like i have five i have five brothers and so like we would all watch it at the same time we'd all be like yo like we gotta we gotta we gotta catch that episode of dragon ball z um <laughs> and before we get to church and like and my mom and dad would be like, hey, like no 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 like we gotta go now we gotta go now the church band's coming we gotta go we gotta go and we'd be so mad like like that, that that's like a re- that's like burned into my memory like just that like i think that's probably one of the reasons why i might have like an aversion to church now like even now like at 32 like at 32 years of old like at age i'm like church i got in the way of anime so <laughs> not, i was not fucking with church like at that point so that was one thing that was like pretty big to me and i think the, the, yeah pokemon was definitely like the other like like big one like i like i, re- I remember like when pokemon like came into the states and it was like this huge thing and like it was it was massive like and, and it was massive like not only because of like sort of the anime but like around the same time like the game like the like the like red and blue had come out like and the game boy color was also like and the game boy pocket was out and the game boy color was out and it was like this huge huge thing so like not only did you have people like you know talking about like Let's watch Pokemon. Like, yo, do you, did you see Charmander? Like, involved in Charmeleon, and he like killed his executor, and it was amazing. And da, da, da. and but it was also like, yo, this game is out, and this is amazing. And also, these Pokemon cards are out, and these are also amazing. Like, it it was it was ridiculous. Like, it was it was ridiculous. And like, folks, like, you couldn't bring your Game Boy Color to school because it might be stolen. Because folks would really just like go into your bag and take yep. that, and you would never see it again, or you would see it again. But, like, somebody else would just have it, and if they had, like, a group, or they would, like, with, like, you know, six or seven, like, other dudes, I wasn't gonna try to fight six or seven dudes for my Game Boy Color. Like, I, like that wasn't just gonna happen, and my parents weren't gonna do nothing, because they really weren't into, like, I don't know, I, wasn't, I don't know, they just didn't really care too much, I guess, in a certain way. They were, like, they didn't really like me playing video games anyway, so they were, like, oh, well, if your game is gone, then okay. So, it was just kinda, it was, it was like, it was ridiculous. But, I would say, Dragon Ball Z definitely, Pokemon definitely, and yeah, Sailor Moon was also pretty big too. Like I think it was weird. It was weird though because I think a lot of guys didn't like to talk about Sailor Moon, but they talked about it. If that makes sense, like they talked about Sailor Moon as something that like existed. Like oh, here was a show that we watched in the mornings, like before school, but they didn't want to talk about Sailor Moon in a way that like you know folks talk about Sailor Moon. We're like yo, like. Like, who do you stand? Like, like which one do you stand? Like, do you stand, like, Usagi? Do you stand, like, you know what I mean? Like, who do you, like, stuff like that. So, I think Sailor Moon I was into, but I couldn't really talk about it when I was a kid because, you know, other guys would have, like, literally, like, beat me into the ground if I talked about it. Um, mm. Or they would have tried to shame me or whatever, so. Some toxic masculinity there. Like, yeah. kind of yeah. not wanting to admit watching, like, a feminine show, a show starring women. Yep. Hmm. It took me a while. It took me a while before I got into like, like really like came into liking like other types of like like show out like shows outside of like you know like Shonen like you know like Dragon Ball like Dragon Ball and like Yu Gi Oh and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And um, and like like One Piece like shows like that. It took me a long. It took me a while before I got into like other shows like Sailor Moon and um like Vampire Night and 
You know what I mean? Like shows like that where I was like, yo, this shit is like this shit is dope. This shit is actually like actually dope. Like food basket. <laughs> like I was like, this shit is dope. This is really, really good. Like I was like, why are these folks telling me I can't watch this? Like, I don't understand it. And so it's been like fuck that ever like, you know, fuck like toxic masculinity ever since. Period. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like I'm like and I'm like and it's why like I'm I'm like constantly trying to tell folks, I'm like, look. I know y'all keep telling yourselves that like, you don't prefer these things, but like, I need you to get on Nana. I need you to yes. get on Paradise Kiss. Yes. I need you to get on these manga. Like, this is yes. what I need you to do. I need you to do this so we can have conversations like about this because like, shit is amazing. It's amazing. You know? So I think that like, and it was big for me because I think like, it allowed me to like, you know, like really be more of myself because like, I feel like, I can be equally hype about what if like um one of the nanas like have like let's say like they they like have like you know um uh, I'm trying to what's his name um I can't remember his name um Ikumi I think I can't remember but like it's like 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 one of the band members right like let's like mm-hmm. like if, if one of them have like a relationship like like have sex or something like that and like you know somebody else is gonna be hurt somebody else is gonna be hurt that they did that <laughs> and it's like but you're so hyped it's like yo this is so it's like this is so messy, but it's so hype. It's so messy, <laughs> and you love, and it's so. It, I love that, and like I get equally hyped if I see like something in like you know, like if like Vegeta like goes Super Saiyan, right? It's like, oh my god, he went Super Saiyan for the first time, and they're all like, how did he do that? And then like the android that gets like literally kicked in the chest, and it's like, yo, like I get like it's like equal like levels of hype, equal levels of hype. I love it. I love it. Just so good, so good. Got to expand yeah. your eyes, y'all. Definitely. There's such a great diversity of stories in anime and manga. I think that's a lot of what appeals so many people to it. Is that, like, there is, like, stories like Nana, like you were saying, that are, like, just these really interesting relationship dramas that are so interesting. And that's why I love the world of shoujo in particular, especially, too. But, I mean, we were talking about it, but we were mentioning, you know, people who you know, we're, we're gatekeeping, like, people are saying, oh, you can't watch anime. You shouldn't do that. Or even people who were watching anime, like you were mentioning, DMC saying, oh, you can't watch that anime. You can't talk about that anime. I wanted to get into some experiences we've had with, you know, gatekeepers, specifically saying, hey, you can't watch anime. Well, for me, <laughs> being online, People always try to tell me what I have seen. They always, like, as I always ask people, do you know me personally? I didn't know we were friends. This is my first time <laughs> meeting. So I like, but for me, shutting up, um, gatekeepers always try to tell me something, but then I always shut them off, shut them down when they see my manga collection or when they see all the <laughs> anime about. That's when they shut up and they block or they keep talking their little mess, but I stop responding. So not, see, when people tell me I can't do something, I always laugh at them because I'm like, in what universe can you tell Eunice what she can and can't do? Like, you crazy? Uh, Have you lost your uh, mind? Uh-huh. I don't know. My the dealing with gatekeepers started for me, like, in the beginning. Because I didn't know, actually, to be honest with y'all, I didn't even know what a gatekeeper was. I didn't know until, like, until I started this um, page. I didn't know what gatekeeping was. I just thought that we all watched anime in peace, and that was, like, our only, like, safe haven. It wasn't until some man had the audacity to tell me that, my collection looks like it's by my brothers. That's when I was like, oh, this is what y'all be talking about? This is gatekeeping? That's crazy. Because 
I don't have a brother, so I don't know whose collection that is. I don't know who you're talking about. Because <laughs> you wasn't talking to me like that. But that's how I, I don't know. Gatekeepers are always trying to tell somebody something, but I don't listen to it because I don't got time. Unless you're buying these mangas for me, then maybe I'll listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As far as gatekeeping goes, um, so I haven't had anyone, I haven't had anyone be particularly toxic to me about my anime choices i have in the past like on my my dating profiles on like i'm not gonna name them because you know nobody needs to know um (laughs) but on my dating profiles it says um i'm a blurred it's like hi i'm a blurred notice me senpai or something like that it's something like really like real weeb and every so often I'll get somebody who slides into those messages and they're like, oh, so you like anime? Have you seen Naruto? And I'm like, get your basic ass out my DMs. <laughs> get your basic ass out my DMs. And then they're like, and I'm like, yes, when I was 12. But yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen Naruto. Oh, well, or my favorite. Oh, so you watch anime? So I bet you like, like Sailor Moon or some shoujo shit. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> But have you seen Mushishi? Have you seen Bakano? Do you, do you know what's mm. up? Yeah, turn it right like, back at them. And then they're like, no, I've never heard of Mushishi. What's it about? I was like, oh, it's about these like little microscopic beings that just like fuck shit up for people. <laughs> That's like, legit. I should watch that. Yeah, you should totally watch that. Get out my DMs. <laughs> Get out my DMs. Oh, you should totally watch Insert Shonen Anime. Get out of my DMs. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Please. Thank you. I watch the ones that I want. Get out of here. Or I'm like, oh, I've, I've seen Haikyuu. Have you seen that? What's it about, volleyball? Oh. Oh. It's about <laughs> But you don't get it. Right. You don't get it. The characters. The emotions. Mm. The mm. intense mm. battles. Yes. Redemption yeah. arc in season three, bruh. Like, let's have a conversation. You trying to talk about some old, some basics? Nah, I'm trying to have a whole conversation with you. Preach. I have a Suki wall scroll. Oh, nice. In my my room, it's five foot six. It's about my height. It's fun. Um, <laughs> and I invited someone over, and they're like, "Oh, what's this? Why is he on your wall? He's not even the best boy." I was like, "Get out." Before <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll be here after you get out. Do not. Um, but I've never had anybody just come up to me and be like, oh, I can't believe you like that anime or you like that manga. Um, where I've seen the most kind of uh, gatekeeping happening is in the gaming community because I play Otome games. <laughs> and um, for people, for those of you who don't know, Otome games are essentially dating sims. You play as a female protagonist, you romance hot guys, no harm, no foul. It's great. But when I say that to people, I get this look like, oh. You one of them lonely girls who just plays with <laughs> anime dudes on your phone. Excuse me? Uh, no, no, I'm not lonely, but thank you. Just because um, Saito is keeping me warm at night and you lonely in your crusty little blanket. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love you now. But I, yeah, that I've noticed. Um, I've noticed that from both guys and female gamers. Um, when you say you play Otome games, they kind of go give you this look like, oh, you're not a real gamer then. Like, have you played a real game? And I'm like, so all the hard work and effort and the voice acting and the money they put into this game was not real work? Oh, okay. Just because oh. I'm romancing hot guys on my phone, you're upset. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Again, I got the whole, I got the whole Shinsen Gooby 
crew behind me, Yuji Kata, you know, handle this. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's been like that I get a lot of. Um, oh, you're just playing a dating sim, or oh, there's no real skill involved. And if anyone tells you that Otome games do not require any skill, they've never played one. Trying to romance a guy who is so outside of your like regular box, getting one of those alpha males who feel like they always write and trying to romance them correctly and get the good end without, you know, like throwing your iPad at a wall. Yeah, mm. no, that takes skill. That takes real skill because you got to stay inside of yourself and be the submissive girl that he wants when really you're just like, I hate you. I hate everything. <laughs> I just want this good end so I can be done with you, you know? Um, so yeah, that I get a lot. And I just kind of like, I just tell them what Otome games are. I tell them that there's a lot of diverse stories or a lot of, there are a lot of genres, just like everything else. Yes. The main focus is romancing these guys and romancing these characters, but you have different genres. Like you've got Colorx Malice, which is about a rookie police officer who has to solve this like ongoing, like mystery case that's going on where they're, um, they're like killing a lot of people in Shinjuku and she has to get to the bottom of this murder, these murders going on. And she works with the police and she works with other like private detectives and folks who work with the police. And she's investigating um, the crime. She's going to crime scenes. She's looking for clues. She's like, she's doing the work. And at the end of it, I mean, yeah, you get your guy at the end. You'd be wrong with that. But like at the end, you solve the mystery, you solve the problem and you have to decide whether or not the bad guys are right or justice needs to prevail and you need to take them down. And it's really cool to see these stories. You've got another one that's about like an, it's like sort of online, the Otome where you're thrown into an RPG game and you have to like fight monsters and get to know other characters so you can find your brother. Like there's so, there's so many stories. There's so much diversity. So when people are just like, Oh, you just play dating Sims. I just kind of look at them like, yeah. Cause you, you, you about to be ignorant. I'm not even gonna try to waste my breath on you. But mm. if someone wants to have a conversation, yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you about Otome games. I'll give you some suggestions. We have a good old time. We have some, we have some whole conversations. But yeah, that's, that's the only time I've ever seen somebody be real toxic. And I just say, you know, go away. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I got better things to do. Let me find my new boo. Get you. <laughs> you can't waste time talking to people who don't want to learn or are just dismissing something they haven't even engaged with or don't know anything about. Both your Dodges and your Eunice's stories definitely speak to the huge problem of sexism in the anime manga space and dismissal of, you know, female-oriented stories, stories about women and for women, which is a huge, huge problem, definitely compounded as well by utter intersectional issues. But that's another conversation I really want to have. But BMC and Ash, you also maybe want to speak to things that you've experienced or seen in terms of that kind of gatekeeping. Um, in terms of gatekeeping, um, with regards to anime fandom, um, it's mostly gatekeeping around black women getting involved mm -hmm. that I've seen. Um, I mean, I even posted something the other day saying that like black women are the cornerstone of black otaku culture or whatever and like without them this shit wouldn't be possible and then somebody was in my mention saying like oh black women went into anime when i was when i was younger it was black guys that were watching like dragon ball z and stuff and i corrected him read him for filth and said like this guy's acting like dubs of like mew mew power which is obviously tokyo yeah. mew mew i read the manga took that out from the library when i was younger that that slapped um so yeah he's acting like dubs of 
um, Mew Mew Powered in Air on TV, dubs of Sailor Moon, dubs of Escaflone, um, Card Captor Sakura. So there was actually like dubbed shoujo anime mm. on TV that girls were like, black girls were fucking with heavy. And he's just, he was just erasing all of them. So I had to read him for filth. But yeah, that's the only real sort of like gatekeeping I see in the mainstream um, anime fandom with regards to like Gundam and Mecha. Um, more specifically with regards to like Gunpla building and stuff, I find that like a lot of white Gunpla builders kind of gatekeep. Mm. Um, for example, there was a black Gundam fan that won the Gunpla Builders World Championship, which is like the World Cup of Gundam model kit building. Um, in America, I think it was in 2019. 2019? No, 2018. Um, he was called Gundam Nerd. He was a black dude. So he won the like US chapter of that and he faced like a lot of backlash saying that oh his model wasn't good enough it didn't deserve to win so on and so forth and obviously this this was a black dude and a lot a lot of these guys were obviously more than likely like pasty white neck beds sitting at home <laughs> mashing their keyboards <laughs> like just an insert like there's a massive incel contingent in the gunpla building fandom i feel so yeah, there's that. But that's really the only gatekeeping I've faced with regards to anime. If you want to talk about Tokusatsu fandom, so that's like obviously Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, mm. um, Power Rangers, Ultraman, etc. That's a whole different story. And that'd have to be a different podcast because boy, that fandom is some neck shit. And oh I've been in gosh. that fandom since 2005 when I was 13. So yeah, that's a whole different episode. But yeah. There was there was a lot of gatekeeping up until recently. I mean, there's still guys posting suspect, racist, uh, anti-black stuff all the time in that fandom. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, and Pokemon fandom. Let, let's let's talk about Pokemon fandom and the whitewashing of Nessa and how Pokemon fandom treats black characters and black gym leaders. Yeah. Because boy, that's the reason I stay the fuck out of that fandom because them guys just anti-blackness is rife. Yeah. In I, Pokemon fandom. I remember. Yeah. That fandom had me acting up online. I had to remember that this is a brand paid for a second there. Because, woo, those <laughs> I almost forgot who, what I, why I was doing this. I was like, not in, not in my presence. Never that. I will never say. I can't, as someone that, you know, speaks a lot about the beauty of black women in anime and the beauty of black anime fans in general and tries to uplift women that look like me and women and young girls because a lot of young girls will DM me like how they love my page and stuff like that. I couldn't sit there and just be quiet during that Nessa thing. I couldn't, I couldn't be quiet. I had to say something. I had to, I was, I think, I, I think I showed that I'm from, <laughs> that I'm, that I'm really about that life with people because I was telling people like, listen, y'all not going to do this. Not in my presence. Not, that Nessa thing pissed me off so much. I had to log off for like a minute. I just couldn't, yeah. I was saying. Like, that whole Nessa thing Trust yeah. me, that was crazy. It had me making, had me wanting to make a couple guys disappear. Can't even lie to you, Saul. <laughs> I can like say that I think it's weird. I just, it's so crazy. Like, we talk about gatekeeping. We talk about when a black person cosplays as a white character or a lighter character. They're not white, they're Asian, they're Japanese yeah. characters. You guys remember when that girl did Nezuko, the black girl that mm. went viral? Yeah. It was a great cosplay. She and she said it was her first time cosplaying. Like I was so in love with it. Like I was so happy for her. And I like leave my online world. And I go to I go to work just to come back and see that they're bullying her, saying things like, "Oh, you should only stick to black characters, or you're too dark for that." 
I think that in the situation really showed people that I like, I do black air force activities on a daily. <laughs> Cause I had words for people all day long. That day I was, Oh my God. I'm pretty sure all the people who know me were looking at it like, there she go. She's just showing y'all who she really is. <laughs> but no, that's yeah. real. No. Yeah. It's me us. Like, dude, let her be great. Let her be great. Exactly. Let her have her, let her do her, you know? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Why you got a problem? What, what was wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, like, guess a lot of people in fandom like they're like oh he's british he's british blah 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 people forget that my parents are from jamaica like if i want to be about that action i can be about that action real talk (laughs) it's like i'm nice but don't fuck with me not today Mm, absolutely i'll drag you like like, i'm not (laughs) you won't even know it was me and you won't even know it was me (laughs) don't let my smooth accent um lull you into a full sense of security like I will, I will take your life. <laughs> Y'all here doing Proverb, you be no, speaking. but I, I think it's really real. Like, I don't think people understand how tight knit black people are when it comes to seeing people attack our own. Like, 100%. we'll joke around with ourselves and be like, "Oh yeah, you're a clown, whatever." But I always see it, like when a black person is going through it, like when that that other model girl cosplayed from a, a Fate Slate character. I think I can't remember. My mind hurts right now. But you can see, like, all black people came out. Like, people, like, we can be beefing with each other, but when someone messes with one of us, it's a, it's a wrap. Because yeah. we can mess with each yeah. other, and we can curse each other out. We can be like, you dumb and da-da-da. But when someone else does it, no. Now you gotta 100%. catch them. You gotta catch these hands, because you're crazy. Because yeah, anytime people come for a black person, it's always with racism. It's always with colorism. It's always with stupid shit. It's never just like a joke. Like you can't. They never come around and be like, "Oh, you, you, you think you cute, or whatever." Like, ha ha. It's always you look like a monkey, or you look like an ape, or you too dark for that character, or you're too ugly for this character, or you're too, you look like a man and a cop. Like it's always this derogatory nonsense, and we're not here for it. Wow. I really want people to understand that black people are not here for this. We are not kids anymore, where we can sit down and take that because people hide behind the internet thinking that shit's cute. They will never have that same energy in person. Yeah. They never have that same that same balls in person. And I'm glad that they don't because they can only keep it on top on the internet. And they're internet gangsters, you know, keyboard warriors, keyboard thugs. So <laughs> keep, I just like I just I tell them all the time, keep that same energy when you see that girl in public. Because I'm pretty sure all black people around her is not gonna let that shit fly. I'm just letting people know. We can curse we can we can make fun of each other. But when it comes to someone else making fun of us in a way right. that is like racist and like this derogatory and, and especially black women, because black women need to be protected all the time. We're going to come for your life. We're going to we're going to we're going to dress you down because you're crazy. You're not going to talk about a black girl in a cosplay and think you're going to get away with it. You're not. Your Twitter account will get deleted. Account with me because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> they think because we are nerds and that we into this anime stuff that we no. We buy that action. <laughs> Period. Mm, mm. In real life, why would I want to go on my my Twitter or my blog and see some ignorant shit? I gotta put up with this when I walk out my front door and then I log onto my safe space and you want to bring that shit here? No, get out. I will have exactly. food. I will have you shut down. I will have every account that you own taken down. Let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna win this one. Because mm-hmm. I report see. fucking be hitting. I be hitting the hell out of that report button. Yes, report. 
because people don't realize we're people i'm a person behind this behind this keyboard behind this screen i'm a human being i'm a person you need to talk to me with respect you get the hell out of here because i'm a fucking life life up like i won't Mm -hmm. snitch in real life but like i will hit that I will hit that report button like nobody's business if I see somebody aiming vitriol at a black woman, like without even thinking about it. One hundred percent. It's not right. We got, like I said, we got to deal with this in our real life, and then I got to log in to my computer on my own time, on my own page, and see some ignorant. And the worst thing is these five foot three thumb thugs won't talk to us in real life like that. They would <laughs> never do it. Like I'm six foot one and a half and two eighty. Like they would never talk to me like that in real life. No way. They can Absolutely. Cross the I, mean, I'm not I can carry myself up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 5'1", I'm and I'm about that action regardless. Like, my mom says I suffer from, from short man syndrome. My mom's a trip, you guys. Like, she used to be insulting me. But she's right. Like, I'm, how I am online is who I am like, in real life. Like, I'm very protective of black women. I'm very protective of women. Like, I don't like when I see, come online, I see men attack girls over cosplay or over anime or over gaming. I don't like that. That's weird to me. Because you don't have that energy when you see her at a con. So keep it a bug. Just be quiet. Scroll. God gave you hands to scroll. Scroll. You don't got to talk. You know, don't even look at their stuff. Like, you don't have to see it. You could block that person. You could just remove them from your timeline. Seriously. Block button is hot. Yeah, if they upset (laughs) you, why are you there? Why are you looking at it? Mm. Yeah. The veil of anonymity inflames toxicity in these online spaces from people who, I don't know why, they just feel it necessary to leave mini comics to bring other people down rather than, you know, bring people up through positivity. And that example with the Nezuka cosplay is just emblematic of a patterns we, I've seen a lot when Black cosplayers are just sharing like the great work they do, and you have people being incredibly awful to them for no reason, and it's just disgusting. It's hard to be a cosplayer. It costs money, time, effort. It's like, mm-hmm. it's crazy! All that, all that work, Bruh. Wow! How did you do that? Where, where did you get the wigs? Where did you get the the, the <laughs> for your sword? Like, how did you make that? Is that cyberfilm? Is that like real metal? Like, what you do? Ask them real questions because they worked hard on this instead of tearing them down just because it makes you feel good about yourself. Or maybe it doesn't. You just need something to do because you're bored. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no. I mean, I haven't, like I said, I, I, I mostly gravitate in the gaming spheres, especially indie games. There's a, an indie game coming out soonish called Validate. It's an all. POC um, development team, and they're all from the different spectrums of the LGBTQ plus community. I did an interview with them, and I put it on my blog. And then, like on WordPress, because some people don't realize this, WordPress actually tells me how you were referred to my site. So I'm checking my stats, and I see that there's a weird like forum on here, and I'm like, what's this? So I click it, and apparently, some racist forum got a hold of my interview, and they were just bashing this group and they were bashing the fact that i had decided i wanted to cover them like oh diverse this is a diverse game there are no other people other than black folks in this game and i'm like are you kidding me are you kidding me this is what this is what you do with your time you go on your little forums and you hide behind these paywalls and you just talk about people because they don't fit into the box of the bubble that you want them to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Because I put a whole tweet up. I was like, um, so some people don't realize that I can see where y- how y'all got to my site. That racist <laughs> forum, BT dubs. I saw you. Y'all can go fuck yourself. You know, I'm going to keep promoting this as much as I can because we don't see that many games coming out with black characters. All black cast, LGBTQ plus representation, just like that. Yeah, that's something to be celebrated. Yes. If you're so threatened, then don't look at it. Don't Period. read it. Like, don't read it. They were trashing the art. They were trashing the characters. They were trashing the team. I was like, y'all, that's some small dick energy right there. Could y'all, could y'all <laughs> move to the side? Like, shut up. Let them be great. I'm going to buy this game because I'm ready for it. Me so, it, it, like, I've seen a lot of that. And then there's also, I like to ask for representation in my Otome games. And every time mm-hmm. I say something like that, I get hit with, well, Otome games are Japanese, so they're Asian. Is that not POC enough for you? And I'm like, you know, race coding is a thing, right? They're, uh, they're, they're Eurocentric characters. Yes, they are in Japan and yes, they are Asian, but they're coded European. Mm. So you want to have that discussion about race coding and these characters, or are you just going to let me be great and ask for more representation in my indie Otome games? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a refrain that you see often when you make a call for wanting more representation in anime in particular as well, is that people will say, hey, we have like these these examples over here of like some tan characters or these are Japanese characters already in Japanese society. You know, there aren't any people of color. So why are you expecting that? And that's completely missing the point of why we want representation. They're ambiguously brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need, like, they're not going to tell me that's a black person unless, you know, they mm-hmm. decide they want to give them a really big nose or really big lips or some ridiculous yep. accent, which my eye twitches just a little bit every oh, time. Gosh. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like, I want characters that look like me, whether that's coming directly from Japanese media or that's coming from a Western audience that is emulating that media. I just would like to see more representation. And if it if we have to tell our own stories and do it ourselves, then we will. Yeah. That's just what it is. Yep, yep. Because we're the only ones who can tell our stories. And a lot of times people forget that. I don't need someone else to tell my story. I would prefer to tell my own. Mm-hmm. Or someone from within the community to tell our stories with their own experiences. That's why I think it's really important to have more Black voices in these spheres, in these circles, um, in these places, in these spaces, so that they can yeah. tell their stories and they can bring our you know vocalize our our struggle our voice our our things um yeah sorry i'll get off my soapbox no that's exactly the kind of points i wanted us to discuss because that is i think an encouraging trend at the very least is that we are seeing black creators people of color creators enter and create their own anime stories centering people of color casts we've had quite a few examples come out last year like Cannon Busters and Says Monos. We've got LaShawn Thomas, who has been in this industry for a long time, who is continuing to make some great stuff. We've got the founder of the Arstadio, is a black man, and they are making some great work. Like, they, it's, there is an encouraging trend of more people of color creators, more black creators, creating their own artwork, anime and manga series. And delivering on that representation that a lot of us wanted when we were younger, first getting into anime, and we were looking on screen and saying, hey, why aren't there more black characters, more people of color characters in these shows? But that actually did bring us to a point, though, that I I do want to talk about is just 
kind of when we became conscious of that lack of representation when we were younger in anime and the media we were consuming, and the first time we encountered a black character in anime, and whether that was a positive example or a negative example, and just patterns of representation that we've seen in anime of black characters from there. Mm-hmm. Oh, can can I take this one? Yes, please, Ash. Um, so the <laughs> so the first time I encountered a black, well, black and in inverted characters, um, character in anime was probably Mister Popo in Dragon Ball Z. Oh gosh, yeah. And I knew that shit being racist from when I first saw him. Like, yeah. The big pink lips, like the dark, dark black skin. Like I knew that was racist. Obviously, I later found out that Dragon Ball Z was made in the late 80s. So I kind of gave Toriyama a pass when I was younger, but not anymore. Yeah. As for when I first encountered a positive depiction of a black character in anime, that would probably be Dutch in Black Lagoon, who yeah. is one of my favorite anime characters mm. of all mm. time to this day. Yeah, just like, just Dutch, man. I mean, I could go into it. I could give a deeper critical analysis of Dutch as a character, but I don't want to. I just want to say, just Dutch, man. Dutch is awesome. The fucking speech he gave to those neo-Nazi dipshits just telling them <laughs> off in episode six is the fucking best. My favorite Dutch quote is, um, was it Jesus, hallelujah, peanut bar? Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> when he like, is this close from getting blown up and survives? No, amen, hallelujah, peanut bar, that's it. But yeah. <laughs> what other characters? Oh yeah, Michiko Melandro yeah. from um, Michiko Tohachin. Um, is another positive depiction of a black character, and obviously Carol from Carolyn Tuesday, who is another one of my favorite black characters as well. Oh, yeah. and Fire Emblem from Tiger and Bunny, who is the first non-binary black character I have ever encountered in an anime, and he is one of my favorites. He is just flamboyant and just lives his life and just doesn't care. I stand. I there's some problematic elements to you know some of the stereotypes in his queerness, but I yeah. also a sucker for, you know, that flamboyancy, so I love yeah. I love them too. Yeah, they live their life. Mm. I oh. won't even tell you guys, I used to think that um, Momo from Peach Girl was black. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was too. I really, 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 really... Her and, um, I don't know if you guys remember that, um, like Casca from, you know... Berserk from Berserk, yes. and then the other girl from um the, the the lesbians that I love so much. Oh my god, it's killing me. It was in my brain yes, like this morning. Um, she's a princess, and shit. oh, you're talking about Utina. Oh, oh Auntie from Utina. Utina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to swear up and down those girls were black. I used to be like, those are my sisters. Like, what's good? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they hit me like, oh, they're like. Indian or like of a different race, and I'm like, oh, okay. Momo was just a tan, a tan um, Japanese girl because like back then it was like um like a gal. Like if you've seen Super Gals, the anime, you know that like some gals like could darken their skin, and it was during that era that Peach Girl kind of came out. Yeah, I was a Gongura girl. Like I know that Egg Magazine was like the the magazine for them. So I used to think that those characters were black. It really shook me when I got older. And I was like, oh. No, it, didn't sh- it shook me until I got really, really older because someone told me that, oh, they're not black. And I was like, huh? What you mean? 
But my favorite black girl is um April from Darker Than Black. I yes. love Carol. Mm. I love mm. I love um Ezekiel from Carolyn Tuesday. Carolyn Tuesday just did a great job when it came to diversity. Uh who else was I'm trying to think like there was so many actual black they were more in mangas though, like you can tell because they would, you know, do a little bit of exaggerating, but you always knew that I was a black person. And even if they weren't, <laughs> I'm claiming them. No one can tell me in a manga what's what is what. Because you don't even know what manga I'm talking about. But Carol and April were my <laughs> girls. Carol and April are my girls. Oh, and Michigo. I like Michigo too. I should probably say that too. I actually do like Michigo. I should probably start talking more about her, but mm, we'll live. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the first, like, awful? Yeah, probably, I mean, I would say, yeah, probably, like, Mr. Pope was probably the first one. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, damn, like, but, like, you just kind of, like, you're like, okay, this is, this is not it. And then, um, also, like, uh, Choco Love from Shaman King was, like, probably the second time. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, man, like, I was like, what is happening here? Like, it was bad enough with, like, the, like, sort of, like, I think that was, like, a, like a poor kid's dub, right, when it came on. Yeah. On Saturdays, and I was like, "All right, this this is like real, like this is no." And then, like when I went to read the manga, I was like, "Oh, his name is not even like this, like uh, westernized sort of like, um, particularly like his name like, in the manga is like Choco Love, like it's like really, really, really bad." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "This ain't it." And like, and I think a lot, like I think we know that Shaman King is coming, like there's gonna be a reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the anime, yeah. which I'm like really hyped about because I love Shaman King. Like like I love Shaman King. Like Yo was like one of my like like when I was like a like little like when I was like a kid. Like Yo was like one of my like first like anime crushes. I was like ah oh, <laughs> yeah. Like he was just such a nice. He's like he's so nice and he's so cool and he cares about his friends. You know and he's really chill. Like crushed like material, right? But um yeah, Chocolate was rough. Was rough. And uh, I think like there were definitely others like that I've seen. You know like like along the way you know like crone is a case where you know it's the crone mm, from the yeah. Neverland one. it's like mm, it's it's, it's you know and like <laughs> my friend um uh jack Free brown she had wrote a really nice piece on it um about like you know the like 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 racist caricatures and and how like crone was sort of like a representation of that and you know the, like the number of people that came at her after i shared her piece like whoo whoo it was rough. It was rough to say the least. Um, because like just people couldn't like conceptualize that or just did not have either they didn't have the knowledge, like or like the or they didn't hadn't done the research or they hadn't like understood like of what like a racist character like racist caricatures look like. Or they were like very like clearly willfully ignorant and they were trying to like rewrite or like use like ideas of racist caricatures like to refute that sister crone was their racist caricature it was like it was just like a mess um so like even now like we have people who are just like very shitty when it comes to like you know people who like call out like 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 to like black folks who call out like you know racist caricatures when we see them um mm-hmm. you know so like that, that that it's always rough it's always rough uh like to this day to this day but I think in terms of like night, like really cool, like just like black, um, black characters that I've seen. Um, yeah, like Carol's one, definitely. I was like, damn, this is re-. like, I would like, I would just sit there and like, damn, like Carol is my girl. Like, yo, let's go. Like, I love Carol. I'm trying to think of like other characters. 
Yeah, definitely. I can't remember the, like, but uh, Eunice, like, definitely like Re- Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant, like one. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. like logged onto that. That was one I was like, this is dope. I love this. This is great. Like, I'm trying to think of like um, Canary from Hunter Hunter mm-hmm. is one that like I think is just it's like yes. I like to see it. I mean, I, I want to, like, I want to, like, I always want to see more from Connelly. Like, I want to see her just, like, do her own thing, like, be a hunter and, like, be out in the world, like, just, like, slaying folks. But, um, another character that I really, really love, I'm trying to think of others. I'm trying to think of, like, others that like, are, like, Death oh. The kid. Wasn't, wasn't Death the Kid from, what was that show called? Um, uh, Soul Eater? Soul Eater, him. Mm-hmm. Wait, no. Him. Death the Kid wasn't, Black, but there was Kalek in Soul Eater. Yeah, there Wait, was. Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Oh my god, I was thinking of the show. I was like, why should why show at the end? Yeah, the boy, not Death the Kid, not so that is not a black man. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm the, talking about the boy. About the boy with the uh, corn rolls. I was like, oh my. Yeah, god. yeah, Kalek. Yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm death. Oh, yeah. Agoon, the new yes. character that they brought, Agoon from yeah. Iron Fort. He had like two scenes, but I was like, I don't even like eBay. <laughs> two and yo, when he came onto the screen, I was like, oh, there we go. Come on. That's both. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's already been claimed by every girl in my group. Oh my hey, God. That's fine. We can share. We can share. <laughs> y'all are, y'all are going to be polygamous wives because there's like 60 ballots, yeah. 60 40 of y'all. <laughs> I, can share. I can share. I'm, I'm okay with share. Just a piece, just a small piece. Not just a piece. No, because I don't even watch dubs. But when Funimation comes, like we're screening the first two episodes of Fire Force, I was like, let's let's. I'm behind on Fire Force, mind you. So I skipped a whole bunch of episodes. Was like, yeah, oh, they're, they're they're screening these first two. I'll watch. So I watched. I was like, okay, let me watch this. And they were like, Firefighter Calendar. I was like, yes. Okay, thank <laughs> got my attention. And then he walked into the script. He walked on the scene. I was like. I need to catch up. I need. I need to catch up. I need to Girl, start watching. Really need to catch, just watch you him. You'll be right. Be right. Okay. I know. He's the only person I'm watching. So yes, I <laughs> I'm literally because I was late. I was leaning back on my couch. My laptop was on my table. I was just watching. Like okay, I don't know what's going on. Then they were like firefighter calendar. I was like, all right. I sat up a little bit. I was like, okay, okay. I'm feeling this. Can we make this real? Can we like really sell this so I can buy it? And then what? he popped out of nowhere, oh, and I was. And then he popped out of nowhere, and I was like, Montgomery? That's a nice last name. Naja Montgomery. I, c- I could dig it. <laughs> <laughs> I could make that work. I could rock that. Girl, and he's Nigerian. I was like, this is my husband. Like, what is happening? Take me Come on, Nigerian king. Take me <laughs> Where do I need to be? Where do exactly. I need to go? <laughs> Where do I need to go now? Catch a flight. <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I was just gonna say the same thing you guys did. Um, anime has a lot of ambiguously brown characters, so it's hard to tell if they're black or not. Like, um, Yurichi from Bleach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We claim her, but it's like, is she? Is she? She's a special one. We claim her because she's what we have, okay? Yes. We're not gonna let nothing. I refuse to let anybody tell me that that girl is not black. I will literally fight you because no, she's black in my eyes. She's all black. Exactly. Yeah, I remember. I remember the first time like they revealed that she was a woman, like she was black. Well, she was a dark skinned woman. And I was like, 
<laughs> it's me! It's someone who looks like me! And I had this whole, like, moment where I was like, Yuri, she's like, she looks like me! She's got dark skin like me! And I was so hyped. I was, like, so hyped. Because in my little, my little life, watching Bleach, you know, sneaking to watch Bleach on TV, there was a sea of, you know, pale faces. And this one beautiful, dark woman, I was like, yes. Okay, here it is. I was like, here it is. And of course, I want to mirror everybody else and say, yeah, Carol, Carol from Carol and Tuesday. She got some pipes. Like, she she was playing her piano and singing. I was like, yes. This is. Have you seen, did you see Space Beyonce that they had on there? No. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, Crystal? Crystal? Girl. Yes. Actually, I call call her Space Beyonce. Listen, I think Carol and Tuesday, out of all the anime I have seen, and I've seen a lot, I think they just did representation, diversity. They were so real. Like, everything felt like it can happen. Even though they lived in Mars, on Mars, everything else was, like, with immigration and discrimination and, like, all the stuff that they brought into the anime, I was like, come on, talk to us. Come on, preach. So organized. I was like, yes. And I just kept watching. I was like, I'm going to keep watching this. Because at first I was covering it for Manga Tokyo. So I was like, I don't know what this is. I'm watching it. And like that first episode, they started singing when they were working on their song. I was like, first off, we got a, we got a black girl right here. In a a black in an anime voice with voice actual black people here. Yes. Her see- Oh my God. What's her name? Um, Naya. Yes. Yeah. I was already, I was down when I saw her. But then when I found out about here, I was like, I'm sold. I'm going to be here every week watching this every week. Because I watched it as it, as it aired. You know, do with that as you will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do with that as what you will. I ain't judging. I'm just like, damn. Well, I had to watch it because I was covering it for another site. So I had to watch it as it aired. So I watched we it. Judge, we just going to say, damn. I'm not judging you at all, to be honest. That anime <laughs> was in Netflix jail, so we ain't judging you at all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I'm tired of. Netflix needs to stop getting anime if they're not going to do simulcast. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop mm-hmm. it. I don't want to see it three seasons later. I want to see it now, right now, with everybody else. <laughs> Speaking of Carol and Tuesday, the way that they got Thundercat and Denzel Curry to do music. Yes. What? Yeah, that's crazy. I saw that. I was like, yes. When they got Denzel Curry, I was just like, God damn, man. Um, y'all going too hard. Stop. <laughs> we weren't ready. Seriously, that should have won. I was so mad. It didn't win anime of the year. Granted, this I I, I kind of understand because Demon Slayer was doing its thing, and mm-hmm. Vinland Saga was also out. You know, two you know bopping animes was out that year. Carolyn Tuesday should have won, but that's just Eunice. I'm just speaking on me. No, that's everybody. Yeah. We're all seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was kind of shook. I was like, how they just win best song? I mean, yeah, that was obvious, but they should have won best anime. Yeah. But yeah, best character design because everybody in Carolyn Tuesday was sexy. Look good. Mm. If you look like Ezekiel, call me. I just want to talk. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! He was in prison and he had the guards like recording him. I was like, see that? That's how you do it, boo. When I tell you, I know that's that rap from like beginning to end. I be doing it, so I'll be like singing in my room sometimes. I'll be like, oh yeah. And then I remember I'm not even a rapper, but I'll be like, I'll be trying my best. Don't even, don't even start with me. I'm Ezekiel. If you look like Ezekiel, call me, please. Everybody to be fair, with, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. What? what was that? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to be fair. To be fair, um, it was Bones that did the animation for Carol and Tuesday, so like everybody is going to look good. Yeah. Like Bones did, like Wolf's Rain, they did Aureka 7, they mm. did Razephon, 
So yeah, like everybody's gonna look sexy because cause it's bones, isn't it? Bones always does leave us. Well, bones needs to redo um, Black Clover so we can get it going again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what period I do with them. I don't know what they do over there, but bones, please. <laughs> you are. We are looking at you now. Come on, cityscape. <laughs> <laughs> Look at them buildings. <laughs> Maybe you do it like graffiti and stuff. Because like, they, they didn't do Megalobox, did they? No, that was Science Saru, I think. Whoever did Megalobox, I was like, that was beautiful. No, that was TMS. Yeah, that was, that really was TMS, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Right, I don't get off track, but I'm thinking about Megalobox. I mean, because I loved Ashito no Joe. Like, that was my yes. shit. That was my shit. Like, I watched the hell out of it. I, like, read the scans for the manga because we ain't never going to get that. And then when they were like, Megalobox is coming out, I was like, I'm there. Like, I'm, like, oh, I'm like, I'm already there. <laughs> y'all been late. Y'all late. 50 years? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Bring me more oh, Joe, shit. please. Underdog story. Yeah, where's <laughs> Megalobox season two? That's what we waited and for. And i they announced it. It's coming. But can they can they release it? Because <laughs> I'm ready. I need to know. I need to know. I need the rest. I need it now. Like you know, God of High School cute and all. I love God of High School. <laughs> we need our we need our people. I, We're I trying to watch God of High School though. Can't caught me off guard. I wa- I was watching it ironically. Like oh, what's this? Another Shonen. And then I'm like sitting up like, damn, he just kicked that dude. <laughs> no, like I don't like how to go. I was, I was, I had to watch. I like watched it so many times. Like I literally watched the first episode four times. I was like, this is really good animation. Like I was, that's why I wrote. I was like, Crunchyroll was in their bag when it came to producing. Crunchyroll chose the right thing to produce, honey. They ain't playing. Fluid. It was beautiful. I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this next week. Thank you. And then when my my girl came out and she was like, oh, I like muscles. I was like, okay, go go two point Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. All right. I want to try though. I I like muscles too, so I was I was feeling her on that one. I was like, I resonate. I get it. Yeah. Shirts came on. I was like, oh. let me just pause this. Let me just pause. This. <laughs> 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 I need this for later. You know, when I'm working. <laughs> Ma'am, this is a podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's all allowable here. <laughs> they gave us permission. That's true. That's true. We got permission. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I derailed you guys. Just thinking about stuff. I've... It's been a minute. No, that was fun. <laughs> it's been a minute since I like actually had a conversation with like an anime fan for real sense. Um, <laughs> um, and I don't watch too much anime as much as I used to. So I'm cool. that's all I watch now. That and reality TV. See. I've been playing, well, my backlog. I'm stuck at home for the what, past five months. Nothing but my backlog, which keeps growing because they keep having sales. Like Steam did their summer sale. And now yeah. there's this um, there's this Trans Lives sale going on on itch.io. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I need to stop it. My wallet is <laughs> not happy. My backlog is not happy. Like, <laughs> I got to move in a couple of months. And help me out, you know? I'm trying to hire movers. <laughs> to move all my manga that I keep buying, and boys love manga. Like, hey. girl, I just saw twittering birds. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, she about to be into some stuff. She about to get I'm into it." Be- <laughs> I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, you about?" To-. I was like, "Twittering birds, twittering birds." It's that series. I'm waiting on June to release four and five because we need those. They're out in Japan, and we don't have them here in the states. So, you know, June, if you listen. 
I need four and five. Volumes four and five. I need to know what happens with Dojin and uh, my dude. Because, you know, I'm stuck at home. I got nothing else to do. But really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, there was FujoCon this weekend past. So, you know, fellowship with fellow BL friends. So that's fun. <laughs> Swap it. No, okay. So this is relevant. Uh, while I was at FujoCon, I did um, one of the artists I met when I did like a call for black artists on Twitter. She held a black BL fans meetup group at okay. FujoCon um, on the Discord server. And one, there were so many black folk into BL, which I was genuinely mm-hmm. surprised. And it was just really nice to have black folks that I could talk to about boys love. Like they were bringing up series I had seen. We were talking about games and things. It was just a free-for-all. It was such a nice fellowship moment. And we mm-hmm. need more spaces. We need more spaces like that, especially in the Otome Games community, because, you know, I need my black Otome game fans, because I need, I need to see you. We yeah, need to have yeah. conversation. Like it's, I feel like it's me and Island, and I know it's not. Though I have met some, and they're great. But, like, I need more. Like, there's like Pokemon. A, there's a... Uh, oh, who's it? Um... If any of y'all know uh, Ma- Mama Loves Manga, um, yeah, I sure yeah, she has her, you know, she has her uh, the Yaoi um shelf, like yeah, yeah, like, yeah shelf like going, it's like yeah. awesome. Her and, and so yeah, yeah, it's, it's dope, it's dope, it's definitely dope. Like, so if you if, if you know if you're into like boy love or Yaoi or like any of that, like definitely check it out. It's always a fun time. Mm. Um, shout out to her. I love their stuff. yeah. Her work is so great. Yes, they keep it real. <laughs> Yeah, but something that you said that was like really interesting was like when you said you met like black um girls that love boy love. That's how I felt when I met other black girls that were into mecha. I was like, look at us, the weirdos of anime world. (laughs) We're sitting there talking about because we're talking about like Escaflone and we're just sitting there like, y'all remember that? And she's like, and like all these girls that are showing up in the conversation. I was like, oh my god, there's like twelve of us here and it feels magical. It grew, but it was just like, it was amazing. Like, I found out there was like so many black girls that were into Mecca. I was like, oh, look at us. Pretty as ever and just driving. It was just amazing. It was an amazing experience. I loved it. Yeah, when you I just love it. Right. Yes. God, yes. But that's Gosone, though. We're not going to talk about that. Ending. We're just not going to talk about that ending. That breaks we don't heart. talk. You pretend that ending didn't happen, don't you know? Bruh, she spent the whole time on Alan's dick. Like, the whole time. And then the last five minutes, oh, Vaughn, I love you. No, you don't. Shut don't, up. Yeah. She said a whole thing. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. She's talking to Naruto. Oh, my God. This was hilarious. Sakura was like, I love you, Naruto. Naruto was like, no, you don't. I was like, damn. <laughs> like, I literally stopped it. I was like, damn, he played your whole life. Replay. Replay. But yeah, I still got some feelings. And then I found out it was supposed to be longer, but they cut it. So I'm like, oh, maybe they just cut the ending. No. The dude was like, nah, the ending was going to be the same regardless. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> you just got to have extra episodes for nothing. Thank you for nothing. Useless. I was like, God, I'm still salty about that. Because that was, like, one of the first anime I watched. So, like, my little formative anime years, I'm watching Escaflone thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be so epic. I was yep. like, oh, she loves Alan, but really it's going to be Vaughn. And I'm thinking, like, every episode, I'm like, it's going to be today. It's going to be today. It's going to be today. And then it's, like, two episodes before the end. Vaughn, I love you. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? He's been here the whole time. 
being great, doing him, and you just, you what? You were all over Alan, this little blonde-haired pretty boy. Get out of here. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Sorry, I'm still in my feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. <laughs> okay, Montgomery. Yes, uh, definitely a black character from an anime that I'm really hyped about um, seeing more of <laughs> and enjoying more of. I love Carol. Absolutely love Carol. And uh, like you said, April from Darker Than Black, when she came on the scene and she just started like taking folks down, I was like, okay, can we have mm-hmm. her? I want more of her. Just make a whole season about her. Please. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Thank you. Um, but for a character I really didn't care for, um, I didn't really care for Killer Bee all that much. Mm. I just, well, you know, I just, I didn't, I wasn't feeling him. He wasn't, he wasn't my dude. Um, I mean, he got better, but like when he was first introduced, I was like, oh, okay. Black character. Oh, it's a whole black village. I like this. But then he started rapping and I was like, because a lot of times, because a lot of times when you get images of black folks, they're just rappers or gangsters or things like that. So I was like, is this Mm -hmm. one of those? Like, is this Mm -hmm. one? So it kind of frustrated me a bit. He did grow on me after a while, but the first couple episodes, I was just like, why do you want to do this to me? (laughs) that speaks to another aspect of the representation conversation that i wanted to address is that even with well-meaning characters like killer b and as messy as he is chocolate is a character he's giving character development in that cast as problematic as he is like with these care with those kind of examples of characters like do you notice you feel like oftentimes like writers are drawing upon like stereotypes like ideas they have about hey this is a black character this is how a black character acts rather than you know pursuing authentic representation yes yes i think that's what a lot of authors do um whether it's intended or not Mm. they tend to fall back on stereotypes and trying to think of a way to word this it's frustrating because it puts these characters in a box it doesn't allow them to be characters to be characters with growth with stories with motivations and things it just kind of puts them in a box they have to act this way because that's what a black character is supposed to be that race coding and it's frustrating and a lot i see it a lot i see it more often with creators and authors that are not from a particular community and they're writing a character from a community that they're not a part of Mm -hmm. so they don't have those experiences they don't have those perspectives those stories to tell it's something that's been told to them or something that they've seen so it makes it feel a little inauthentic which is why I like this move with more black creators and black creatives being more vocal and telling their stories and using their mediums to tell these stories, whether it's writing a web comic, creating an indie game, um, doing an animation, music, right, you know, art. I, I'm a strong proponent of we should be telling our stories rather than letting someone else tell them for us. And it's just a matter of being comfortable telling these stories. I don't know if that was eloquent enough. But no, absolutely. I think you're on the mark. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 
like I said, regardless of whether or not it's intended or not, a lot of times you'll see people falling back on stereotypes. And you'll even see some Black creators doing that as well in their works. They will play up the stereotypes because it's recognizable, because it's something that people can relate to. Mm. Um, and I don't, it's not selling out. That's not the word I want to use, but it's more of a. It's playing into the culture. It's playing into the. It feeds into those stereotypes because it's something that's recognized. And if you keep reinforcing it, and then it's like, well, look, such and such is doing it, so it must not be wrong. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, and I, I I don't I don't necessarily like it. But again, we've been seeing a lot more positive representation in our media. There are more, you know, black voice actors getting roles. There are more yeah. um, <laughs> black characters showing up in certain animes. I mean. I say more, but, you know, it still needs to be better. You're seeing more Black, nerdy creatives being vocal and having their platforms and being visible. Because if you'd ask, if when I was a kid, I, can, I can't tell you how many Black folks I knew who loved anime or manga or games and were out there doing it, telling their stories, showing people that this is what they did, especially growing up in the South. Never. So to see this transition with more people being comfortable telling these stories and being themselves and being their, being authentic, I appreciate it. I welcome it. Like I like I don't have any shame. No shame now. I mean, I didn't have shame back then either. But I don't really have shame. It's like I play these games. Either you like it or you don't. I watch anime. Either you like it or you don't. Most dudes think it's really sexy when a girl likes anime, but that's another. That's a whole other story. Yeah, a whole another conversation. Because my eye twitched when I said it. I was like, get out. Um, <laughs> so, it's, you know, there's it's the whole anime has become quote-unquote mainstream now. It's not something you shun. It's not something you kind of put in a box. It's not something that you hide in your you know your basement or you, you hide in the attic or you quick, quick try to shut off the DVD. It's more open. It's a space where you can talk about these things yeah. and yeah. meet yourself while doing them. Absolutely. I think that is like the encouraging thing is that as we've discussed, the representation is getting better and more voices are coming out that are delivering like authentic perspectives and representation. And thanks to the work and efforts of, you know, Noir Caesar Entertainment and other great independent like comics artists who are like making their own stories. There's currently like a Metabank Shonen Jump competition, and the most viewed comic on there so far is from a black writer, black creator, Akai by Anne uh, Fernie Robinson, goes as at Anime Bay on Twitter. And like, they have been producing that comic I've been watching, and like, they are selling very competitively with like mainstream shonen stuff, like on Amazon. Like, the audience is there, they're hungry for it, and they're excited for it. I think that's so, so cool. And... Yeah, I'm about to check that out. Real quick. Googling it Real right quick. now. <laughs> <laughs> like, hmm, <laughs> and, and one thing that, you know, to speak on Care on Tuesday, like, I think that was so cool that everyone brought that up, because... Shinichiro Watanabe, you know, as a director, I think throughout his work has clearly had multicultural influences and a deep interest in 
other cultures and other people. And to see in Carol and Tuesday, not just those influences coming into play, but also an emphasis on a diverse, multi-ethnic cast, that was so awesome. So I think that is an example of someone who, a non-black, non-black uh, indigenous people of color creator, coming in and making and doing like the work to deliver like diverse, much better representation that can resonate so well. There it is. Got to put in the work. Exactly. Yep. The work. People think it's easy. They they go to a, their quote unquote black friend and ask them questions. That's not that's not work. Go do some work. research. Go experience these things. Like go do the homework. Get out. A lot of black folks have had to do the homework themselves. Because, because as black people, we are the diaspora. We've been separated from our culture. We have to do the research. Mm. We have to do the homework. We have to do the work. So why can't you? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got to put in the work. That's your homework assignment for the day. Go do some research. <laughs> and then come back to me. Don't, yeah. Don't slide into my DMs and ask me dumb questions. Because I, I don't have time for them. I got other stuff to do. I got yeah. a backlog of games I should be playing. I'm not going to answer your questions. Do the homework. Yeah. I think that's another thing to encourage people to do is that actually, you know, go out, do the research, do some reading, and actually learn about, like, problematic representation, problematic content. Like, so often, like, the burden comes from, you know, people who are trying to explain, hey, why something is problematic, and then they're getting these naysayers trying to ignore it. Like, actually do the work to better educate yourselves about like what the problem is, why it's a problem, and why we need to do better. Yep. And this speaks into the power of representation. When you brought up your Luigi earlier, and like how excited you were to see someone like you represented on screen, like, that part right there really hits home into why it's important to have representation. Because that is so meaningful to see yourself in the media you consume and love. To feel like your lives, people like you are, their stories are being told. Mm. Yes. Yeah. One thing I think that's really interesting um, is, right, like, like there are sort of, I don't want to call it uh, levels or anything like that, but I think they're definitely like, People who are just like flat out like just like loudly like anti-black, right? Like and it's like it's very clear. We we see it, call it out, we know this. Uh like so much so about like other like white, like white folks who were just like who are like anti-black in their own sort of ways, right? Like are like, oh. Right. And then there are sort of like individuals who are aware of certain like conversations and certain uh, sort of like rhetorical strategies, like in terms of like how like how we have conversations about anti-blackness or racism or whatever, and will sort of like warp that, warp those sort of like rhetorical strategies into like a defense of like anti-blackness or whatever. So like I, maybe like an example is like whenever we talk about anti-blackness as it as it exists in Japan, right? And like that's like a thing. It's a it's a huge sort of issue, and there are like literally probably like hundreds of thousands of people talking, millions of people talking about that issue. But if you were to go into like you know certain parts of Twitter, you would swear that like Japan is not a place where this is an issue, right? People would just be like, "Oh, what are you talking about? Like you're just racist towards uh, Asian folks or whatever," anything like that. It's just 
it's just like this like whole mess. It's just like this messy like thing that happened. And it's such a like, and ultimately, like, I think trying to deal with that sometimes for me, like, I'm like, I don't want to like, I'm trying to fight that I'm trying to fight like, that in the ways that I can, like, as I like, you know, like living in the state, or like living in New York City. But sometimes it's like, damn, like the energy you like, sometimes you have to spend just like, the one time like trying to like explain to some like douche, you know, just like some douchebag dude, like, that yo this is an issue that like exists like everywhere like there is no like country um that does not deal with a with it with, with anti-blackness as an issue that it doesn't exist i don't believe that so i don't know that's like like to me like that's something that i think like you know is is i don't know that's just kind of hard i guess but some people are too comfortable in their biases yeah they wrap themselves in it. They it's their cocoon, it's their comfort, it's their it's their special place. And when you start peeling away the layers of their little blankets, that's when they, they don't know what to do with themselves. Um like I like I said, I've grown up in the South. I grew up in the South, I grew up in Georgia, and then I left Georgia to come to DC to go to Howard, to go to an HBCU. And it's so surreal. In the South, you you know, it's one of those yeah. things you know. They're polite. They'll smile to your face, but you know, you know where you don't go. You know the people you don't talk to. You see the Confederate flags. You see the. You go to like there's there's Stone Mountain in Georgia, and families go there for picnics and things to see the laser show. But literally, they have Confederate uh, generals carved into the face of this mountain, and the KKK used to have meetings and rallies on top of this thing. But this is just a family thing. We just go have our picnics there. This is where we go. We take school trips there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like when I was in high school, this is going to date me. I was able to vote in the first Obama election. And I remember a friend of mine, a, a white friend of mine literally saying, and she was a friend, a close friend. And she literally said, vote right. And I said, what, what does that mean? Like, I didn't understand what she meant. And then when I was removed from that environment and I went to Howard because I went up there with these preconceived notions, of course, myself, because I've grown up in a predominantly white suburb in Georgia, white folks all over. It was what it was. And blackness was either real ghetto or ratchet or non-existent. And that was just it. And I, I never really fit into that circle. I never was really loud. I never was really like bombastic. I mean, I talk now, but you know, you got me talking about stuff I care about. But I was kind of quiet. I was kind of reserved. I was like a bookish kid. I read, you know, I was in all the advanced classes. And then mm-hmm. leaving that environment where I was literally the only black kid in a class and going to Howard where I was surrounded by blackness in all of its very various shapes and forms, it was like a whole thing was open. We're, we're not this homogenous group. There's right. so many different layers. You got your nerds. You got your jocks. You got folks from Cali. You got the New Yorkers. Like, I could always tell folks from New York because they would wear them, like, the big, like, hoop earrings. Like, some really big old ones. Homegirl got in the pool, and she refused to take them jokers off. Like, we had a chlorine and everything. She just wore them in the pool. Um, then you got the folks from the South. You know, we were always a little slower than everybody else. So our clothes weren't as, like, flashy. But we wore, like, weird stuff. I'm not going to go into detail. Um, but like you, everybody had their tribe, everybody had their clique, and I just happened to connect with, I mean, I liked anime and manga. I was vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I took Japanese at Howard. Ask me to speak in Japanese now? I can't. Sorry. <laughs> it's all gone. Um, 
but through the but it was a class full of black students taking Japanese. And our teacher was Japanese. Um, Yamakita Sensei was awesome. She's totally awesome. Um, but we were all interested in Japanese for our various reasons. Some people wanted to actually go to Japan and work and live. Others were just into anime and manga or games and wanted to learn the language to know more about it. And others were really interested in the culture. And you met all sorts. And I just happened to be in the class and I met these people and they were great. And then I found out there was a Japanese culture club and that was it. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm president. Um, <laughs> but we went on trips. We learned about the culture. We learned about these things. And we, we like, I had that tribe. I had those people. So when I started my site, when I started my blog, it was kind of weird because online I didn't know anybody who liked. It. I knew they were out there because you know it's the internet. Everybody's everywhere. But I'm coming from an environment where I was around these people who were into the things that I was into. People who liked Japanese culture. People who watched anime. Heck, I got a friend right now. She's waiting on me to tell her about this BL manga I sent her. But I could have those conversations in real life. And then when I transitioned to online, it was building that same community online and within the otome games community sphere it's i don't know as many black otome game players i know a lot more black anime fans and manga fans but not so much otome game players and i've had i've actually had a couple people recently come up you know like send me a message and be like i just found your site i'm so glad i did i didn't know there were other black girls who liked otome games i love what you're doing like i i'm going to start my own site i'm going to start my own thing because I didn't realize I wasn't alone. That's dope. That's wonderful. And like, it made me, like, my little heart was like, oh, y'all read my little crappy fangirl ramblings. Y'all be reading my awful <laughs> reviews, my rants. I love it. But it made me feel a little validated. It made me feel really good because it's like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not just speaking into the ether of the internet. So whenever I see someone try to attack that or try to attack someone for being their authentic self online or in person, it pisses me off. It's like, dude, you got so many other things you could be doing right now and you want to waste your energy on tearing someone else down for being happy. They're not doing anything to you. They are living their best life doing what they do. So when people have their little corners of the internet, like that forum I found where they just decided they wanted to be racist for no reason, I see it. I acknowledge it. I'm not trying to get them turned down because I, I, I'm not going to lie. I tried to get them shut down, but I realized <laughs> I'd have to create an account. And I was like, I don't want my name attached to this. So I was like, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. That's a bad one. Mm. But like when I when I find people who have this negative energy, yes, I call them out. But there are certain people that you just you don't re- you can't reason with. They are so wrapped in their prejudice and their bias. There's not really much you can say. Um, yeah. All you can do is live your best life, do what you do, and be vocal. If it pisses them off, then it pisses them off. But I'm happy, and I'm doing what I want to do. So, yep. like like you were saying with the the groups that you found that they just they didn't want to hear it. They were just so consumed but this is not a thing i don't see it that's people people who have never experienced any type of uh you know discrimination my words Mm -hmm. discrimination or anything like that they don't know what it is to them it doesn't exist their privilege is literally protecting them from anything that would be relatable to me they can't empathize they can try to sympathize but they can't empathize and that's a distinction that a lot of people don't quite understand yeah allies can sympathize but you can't necessarily empathize because you can't go through my experience. You Mm -hmm. can't. Um, So I don't waste my energy on people who are just constantly negative. I, you know, I say my piece and I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you just step and just start saying, talking about, you know, side of your neck because you feel like it. Um, Mm. But I'm not wasting my energy on you because it's a waste of my time. 
Right. I could be talking mm-hmm. to someone else. I could be having this conversation with someone else. You're a lost cause. You're going to shrivel up and die with all the other old white folks in the corner. <laughs> but while you're doing that, while you're feeding your hatred, we're going to be over here doing great things, making changes. Because contrary to what other people believe and what they want to think, the world is going to change. Yeah. They're changing. Things right, are transitioning. Right. Either mm-hmm. you're getting on this train or you're going to be stuck at the station. Yeah, you're going to be left behind. You're going to be left behind. Yes. Yeah, just decide. Like, we're not playing this game. We're not playing anymore. I'm upset that it took the death of Black people for us to be more vocal and to get the attention that we so greatly deserve. But we need to be more vocal. This is why we need to tell our stories. This is why we need to be more vocal. This is why we need to shut down stuff when we hear it. But I'm not going to waste my time on ignorant folks. Absolutely. That was incredible. Sorry. No, Naja, that was incredible. Thank you. Sorry. You're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I just no, okay. So I'm girl, you're speaking the truth, man. I would just sit here like testify. <laughs> no, because I don't get too much chance, too many chances to say this. Like I use my little platform to be saying stuff. Like I have a whole set, I have a whole segment on my blog called Melanin Monday, where I spotlight mm-hmm. games with black and brown characters in prominent roles by cre- black creators. Sometimes I do less. It depends. It really depends on how I feel that day, that Monday. But lately, I've just been spotlighting a lot of indie games and that have black characters that have a lot of representation. And I did it for me. Like, I'm not going to lie. A lot of people are like, man, what made you think about it? I did it for me. Because if you go on itch.io, there is no tag for black or diverse game. There's like 20 for LGBTQ plus representation. Uh, There's like 100 for female protagonists. Uh-huh. But there aren't any for diverse games or diverse characters or characters with black leads. There aren't any. And it frustrated me because I'm looking for these games and I can't find them because I got to be, I got to finagle the whole system and just go through thousands of like indie games, some of which are just hentai games. 95% of the games on H.I.O. are hentai games, just FYI. <laughs> um, but I did it for me. I started Melanin Monday for me because I wanted to see representation. I wanted to be vocal. And like, I, again, like I say this a lot, I can see what people use to search my site. I can see what they use to get to certain pages. And someone one weekend looked up black girl friendly Otome games and it led them to my site. And this is before I changed my name to Blurdy Otome. It used to be nice job breaking it here. And the fact that somebody searched black girl friendly Otome games and it led them to my site. I had a whole moment. I called all my friends. I called my mama. I told everybody. I was like, somebody found my site. They searched black girl friendly game, Otome games, and they found my site. And my mom was like, "That's great, Naja. That's great, sweetie." My friend was like, "That's amazing, Naja." But it, like, when I saw it, I was like, "That made me so happy." I was like, "Do I have any black girl friendly games?" I was like, "I don't." So I wrote a whole list of black and brown prominent role character games, and I actually found out from another person that um, there's a particular developer. I'm not gonna name names because. I don't, I don't be dragging people like that. They specifically don't include characters of color in their games because they feel that Whoa. they're hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got <laughs> oh They were like, they said because it's hard to draw them in the anime style. That they don't look right with certain colors. And I'm like, oh, this, and it took me back to like Barbie where, you know, remember Stacy, mm-hmm. Stacy the Black mm-hmm. Barbie? She was always in neon colors and orange and green, like the ugliest ass colors I ever saw, but Barbie had pink and purple. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's some oh shit, man. Like, where's my like, you serious? We don't look right 
you can't draw us in anime style. You can't draw, you can't put them in certain colors because it doesn't look right. No, you need to learn. You need to educate yourself on how to do it. There are plenty of posts on Tumblr, on Twitter that show you how to draw darker skin tones, people of color, hair with a little texture in it, with a little curl in it. Mm. So for you to say that you can't do it because they don't look right in this style or they don't look right with these colors or they're, they, you know, I don't, they look ugly. I had a moment. I had a whole yeah. moment. I said, right I'm never playing so. I was like, I'm never playing any of your games. Mm. I'm touching out one of them. Because even if you start, and then, then of course this person started asking, adding black people to their games. I was like, I'm still not going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to like, I remember what you said. I'm not going to yep. do it. They show their ignorance already. Yeah, I was like, oh, you're doing it because it's popping right now. I'm not, I'm not giving you my money. You send me a free copy and I'll say no. But you get people who say that. And as a black gamer, as a black person it pisses me off because it makes me want to pull out 10 other developers or 10 other games or 10 other things that do it right and then like spotlight the hell out of them like i have oh so this is what you think well here's 30 games here are 30 characters here's five anime you should be watching right now like these things piss me off because it's like seriously you ain't looking hard enough yeah saying that including black characters having representation is hard is such a bullshit excuse put in the work <laughs> there it is put in the work i don't know how many times i gotta say it put in the work that should be like a slogan put in the work before you hit that 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 dm that button to d- send me a direct message or ask me a question do the work yeah look it up I actually, <laughs> like i actually had a developer uh i wrote diversity otome games this post and um one of the developers i was actually cool with her i liked her games they were great we had a couple of conversations before she actually sent me a message and she asked me how I felt about characters with dreadlocks. And I said, huh? She's like, I read your post on diversity. I was like, okay, cool. She's like, I wanted to know how you felt about characters with dreadlocks. And I was like, I was like, you want my honest answer? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, be honest. And I said, okay. Um, I don't hate dreadlocks. However, I acknowledge that dreadlocks are a way of race coding a character as black. So I don't have an issue with them because it is a black hairstyle. It's a style that black folks wear and it's just is what it is. And I think they can be done well. I was like, I was like, cause at the time it like black Panther had come out. I was like, Oh, look at Killmonger. Like he has locks, but they were, they weren't the straight down locks, the long shoulder length ones. They had, you know, the shade on the side, they were parted to the side. He wore them in different ways. I was like, you can yeah. do this style in different ways and make it unique. What I don't like is when I see people with just dreadlocks all the time and they're just long and that's it. That's it. Because that's, that's the quote unquote black hairstyle. Do more. There's a, I met another developer who worked on this game called Pears. Um, it's a sci-fi game. I know I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> but mm-hmm. she, it's a sci-fi game and she had a, a character that was an alien. Um, she's, bluish green with pink hair but i even looking at her i noticed i was like she's coated black she had curly hair she had her features weren't overtly quote unquote black and by black i mean big nose big lips you know accentuated bust or things like that she looked like a normal person but i could you could tell she was coated black so i actually reached out to the developer and turns out she was a black female developer 
And she said, yes, this character is coded black. And she sent me like a bunch of like prelim sketches she did of this character with different hairstyles. She had the cornrows going down the back. She had the puffs. She had her hair out and frizzy. And I was like, see, this is what I mean. We are black people are versatile. Black people are not one thing. We're not this monolith. We are diverse. We come in all shades and hues, shapes and sizes. We have different interests. So when people say, oh, black people, it's a generalization sometimes instead of a, these are people. They are diverse. They have different interests. They look different. They talk different. All black people don't look the same. We don't act the same. We don't do the same things. And a lot of people need to get that in their heads, which is why us being nerdy and black and just being out here and even doing this podcast and having this conversation right now, that's why it's important. Because we are different. I'm not just this. I'm not just that. Yeah, I love anime and manga, but I also do other things too. <laughs> I mean, I like horror movies. I like Long Walks on the Beach and Ogun Montgomery. But, you know, it's just see us as people and see us as diverse people and see us as doing these things and being great and uplift us. Don't tear us down just because it's, it's scary, just because you're afraid. What do you think we've been doing our whole lives? I've had to explain this to people before. I was like, walking outside my front door is terrifying sometimes because you never know if you're coming home. I've got three black brothers living in three southern states. And I, I go to bed and I have three brothers, but I could wake up and not have three brothers. These are real things that we go through. So, you know, at least within the spaces that we're in online where we're enjoying ourselves and being our authentic self, let us be happy. Uplift us. Because I got to deal with all this other crap when I go outside, when I log off my computer. I don't want to have to deal with that when I go online. I don't want to see that. And that speaks to, again, we need to make the fandom a more inclusive, welcoming space. And people should endeavor to do that. And I think that's what's so great about the work that, again, you guys all have done. is that you've made... Not only like your voice is heard, but you've made spaces that other people can be seen in. Like they can say, hey, there's this other person like me who loves the same things I do. I feel seen and I feel there's a community there. And I think that is just so incredible and valuable. And Naja, again, <laughs> thank you so much. Y'all let me talk. <laughs> you let me talk. And that's what the problem is. People, when y'all let me talk, I can stop. Sorry. <laughs> no worries, no worries. But I think like that is a great note to end off on or start to wrap up on. Do we have like any final thoughts on I guess how we can continue to encourage to make fan communities, both online and in real life, more welcoming spaces for people? Um, since I haven't spoken in a while, I'll just put something in. Um Continue to center the voices of black women, black non-binary folks, black trans folks. Make sure that they're centered and their voices are elevated in fandom. Um, it's important that those of us that have privilege, such as like cis men, etc., use our voices and our platforms to center their voices and to ele- and to elevate their voices. And if they haven't got the tools to create their own platforms, aid them with gaining access to those tools and gaining access to these skills so they then can create their own platforms. Or if not, use our platforms to propagate their voices and elevate their voices. That's it, really. 
Absolutely. And Eunice, do you have any final thoughts or? Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I agree. Like we have to keep fighting and you know just keep doing what we have to do to make sure that the young cuz what we do at the end of the day is for the younger generation. Like they see us being our authentic selves and they're like, "Yeah, finally." Like they don't have to they don't have to go like what we went through where we have to hide our stuff or even if you weren't, but if you did, you were hiding because you were afraid. But if they see us being like open and honest and truthful, they're like, there's nothing to be afraid of because there's so many people who are out there who are just like me, who are going to accept me, who are going to cherish me. So I have nothing to be afraid of. So definitely we have to keep putting in the work to be seen in mainstream anime content creators. Like, you know, we have to give props to our RDC world and our Vaders and our Calebs and all the guys that are out there like putting in that work, you know? So, yeah, that's what I'll leave it off of. We just got to keep working. Keep working. Here we are. <laughs> Definitely. There's a lot to work to be done, but I think a lot of great progress is being made, which makes me happy. But there weren't too many questions from Twitter, but there is a lot of like support and a lot of people I think are really excited for it. One question we did get from Randall at Poppy Longstock was about is the wider con cosplay community a welcoming space? And I think as we discussed earlier, there is a lot of work to be done there, you know, especially online with how black and people of cosplays are dogpiled just for sharing their work. So I think, I mean, if everyone else has something to add on to that, I feel like that's still a space that we need to rally together and show more support for black and people of color cosplayers. My only thing with anime cons, um, right now we're seeing a lot of these big companies using black creators and voices in their media more, more than they have in the past. They're acknowledging black people and our buying power, but black folks in general. And I want to see this momentum keep going when we do you know whenever we do leave our homes and COVID decide and rona decides she wants to you know chill for a bit um when cons start opening back up invite more black panelists allow more black you know panels about different things other than just diversity a lot of times you go to a con and they have a panel which has P- uh, bipoc and folks of color at the helm and it's always about diversity let us talk about other things too we can talk about other things that aren't diverse that aren't diversity i mean we just had a whole conversation about escaflona and how <laughs> we're mad at her not choosing vaughn soon enough but like we can talk on other things you've got Eunice who loves mecca like i mean i never really got into mecca i like i like my escaflona i like growing login and that's about the extent of that but I'd like to see this type of content. I'd like to see someone who looks like me, who who is black, who has a voice, talking about these things that I wouldn't normally, you know, look at. Because, you know, it might just change my mind. I might actually start reading something. I'm not going to watch One Piece, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just never going to get it. Um, but let us, let us be ourselves and let us have a platform to speak on. Invite more black guests and black creators. Um, you know, don't just use us when it's, when it's trending. Don't just put us at the front when it's the hip thing to do. We should be there. We should be in the room all the time because we're a part of this community too. And we should be treated as if we're a part of the community and not just like, you know, somebody's kid brother who just got brought along because their parents said they had to. Absolutely. 
Yeah, actually, uh, Jax from Noir Caesar, they made a great video on the Noir Caesar YouTube channel, like going over issues with conventions and the diversity of guests, and not only guests, but vendors and panel content, all that stuff, and how company, how cons and companies need to not just do the basic lip service of like supporting diversity, they need to show it in their programming. And like they share personal experience of how they've been mistreated, how they've seen other, you know, black voice actors, guests be mistreated and black vendors. And yeah, I think that video, I really want to shout that out. It's like a great calling uh, sign, a great piece to like show, hey, yeah, cons need to do better about supporting people of color, creators, vendors, artists, every fans in this community. Um, can I just add a piece in about that? I mean, yeah, yeah. from like a UK perspective. So as a person who's actually like volunteered at cons as staff and run gaming um tournaments at a con before in the UK, like the anime community is incredibly monochromatic. And although like it's the sort of well-meaning white folks that are, I know pretty liberal in their outlook um seem to be anti-racist at the surface there's no real um like impetus to diversify con staff or con guests or even vendors it's always the same mix of primarily uh white folks there with a few smattering of asian guests of course um when it comes to like obviously con guests like voice actors uh slash say you and so on and so forth so yeah, I mean, I wish they would do more in the United Kingdom, but I have quite a pessimistic outlook on that. Whereas obviously in America, due to probably um, black folks being a much larger constituent of the population, there is, I feel like there's much more um, discernible effort to um, diversify con guests and con crew, even though obviously it might not seem a lot. Like a lot to Americans from the outside looking in, it looks like there is an actual effort to make cons more diverse. Whereas over here, there's like basically radio silence. That's a great perspective. But yeah, I mean, even in America, I think that there still needs to be more effort being put in. There actually was a recent thing that came out about TCAF, the Toronto Comics and Arts Festival, about former people of color staffers speaking out about how the con has let its staff and down in terms of listening to their opinions about having more diverse guests and content. And TCAF is run by very liberal people, people who are very supportive and seem inclusive, you know, queer content especially. But like they have been letting down their the people of color community, the staffers and guests that they have invited so you know even in like well-meaning like liberal circles and staffs at cons like there still is a lot more work to be done of course i mean white queer people are still white at the end of the day so yeah privilege is showing all the time <laughs> i mean even though i'm straight i feel like i can still kind of say that because i'm black so yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, privilege kind of trumps everything else. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Privilege always trumps everything else. Everything. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating. But don't get me started. 
I'll try not to. I'll try not to open up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no. I'm I'm really glad with this conversation. I I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys have as well. Thank you so much for sticking through this. Like I'm afraid BMC had to leave a little early, but I also want to thank him so much for coming on and sharing his insight. It's always a pleasure to talk with him, in particular, and it was so fun talking with all of you guys. I think we had a really great conversation. Thank you for yeah. having us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I hope to talk with all you guys again as well. But until the next time, well, actually, I just want to, you know, shout out Brandon, who said, you know, he didn't have any questions, but he loved to see it. Brandon's another friend of the show who is a black letterer. He works for Viz on Transformers to Manga, Dragon Ball Super, tons of awesome mating titles. So I want to thank Brandon too. Uh, but yeah, until the next time where we can all talk again, I want to shout you guys out. I want you guys like, again, share like where people can find you, the work you're doing. So uh, Eunice, would you like to start off? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me everywhere on uh, Black Girls Anime on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have a Facebook group. Also, if you, I mean, if you want to join it, if you want to be crazy with me in there, basically, you're just going to keep seeing me post anime news, anime, whatever is going on in Japan. Basically, that's all I'm going to tweet about anyway. So that's about it. Awesome. And definitely follow your account for some great Black Clover positivity in particular. I know you're a huge Asta stan. Yeah, I'm getting him tatted on me in two months. Nice. nice. <laughs> and Ash, would uh, you like to share where people can find you, Bill Casters, and the Black Enemy Pods directory? Oh, there's so many accounts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Numero uno. So you can find me on Twitter at the macabre chap. So that's the, and then the French word macabre, which means, well, which means obviously gloomy or whatever, and then chap, all one word. You can find me on Instagram at ashbadguy, that's A-S-H, and then badguy, as in soul bad guy. Then you can find Black Anime Podcasts at blackanimepodcast.com, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at blackanimepods. And then you can find Buildcasters on Twitter and Instagram at Buildcasters, that's B-U-I-L-D, and then casters, all one word. Whew. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah again like follow all of Ash's stuff like i've really been enjoying bill casters a lot and also i'm really appreciative of the directory you created because i've also discovered a lot of great shows through it thank you i'm glad somebody like finds my work useful i don't know if it's like an idiosyncrasy or because of my autism or whatever but i have like this compulsion to catalog information (laughs) and that compulsion led to me creating obviously black anime podcasts just because I wanted to create a list for myself. So I thought because people found it useful, it was initially a Google doc. I turned it into a website using Google sites. Didn't take me long. Just bought the um, domain from GoDaddy and then that's it. Awesome. Yeah. It's a great resource. Definitely linked in the show notes. I mean, we shared it before Thank on the you. show, but yeah, again, you have, I think oh, I, I have. That. Yeah. 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 Again, I, I, I really enjoy the work you guys all do. That's big world. <laughs> but yeah, and, and Naja, would you like uh, to share where people can find Blurdy, Tommy, and you on Twitter? Oh, yes. Um, you can find my main site, uh, Blurdy Otome, at blurdyotome.com. That's B L E R D Y Otome, O T 
O-M-E.com. Sorry, I've got to spell it. Tell me for a minute. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, it's my name in reverse. It's Beck Naja, B-E-C-K-N-A-J-A. And then I'm also on Instagram, but I got it right this time. It's actually Blurdy Otome as well. Um, I have a Facebook, Blurdy Otome. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, oh, 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 oh. I would like to plug um, the group I'm with. I'm with a blogging group called Owls, Otaku Warriors for Liberty, Liberty and Self-Respect. It's a group of bloggers, vloggers, and um, nerdy creatives uh, where we share posts that promote equality and self-respect within the anime and manga community. I'm the PR head, even though I'm kind of, you know, slacking a bit. Um, and we're on Twitter as well, Owls Bloggers. And we also have a WordPress, which is also Owls Bloggers. All of our stuff is just Owls Bloggers. That's my plug for them. Awesome. <laughs> I gotta do my job sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. And since VNC had to leave us early, I just want to shout out where you can find his work. Follow him at the Manga Scholar on Twitter, and definitely subscribe and watch his stuff on his YouTube channel, The Black Manga Critic. He does great vlog streams talking about important topics, and he does great chapter reactions on series like Haikyuu, Battling Julita, and so many others. I really love his channel. Definitely support his work and give him a follow. And now we'll head into the wrap-up of the show, get into our community shout-out segment where I'll be shouting out even more great people that you should check out, and then uh, we'll close out the show. But again, thank you guys so much for coming on and talking with me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having me. Even though we've been down this road And I know it's far from flawless You'll be coming home regardless Even though we've been down this road Far from flawless, you'll be coming home regardless. Just run away, try to run away. I've been lost inside this place. Wanna pull up in a foreign whip uh, with a smile upon my face. Cause I made it home where I belong. And the grass is greener, they say. I'm trying to hit you right to the other side and be back with you one day. Cause baby girl, leaving no. And I know it's far from flawless You'll be coming home regardless Even though we've been down this road And I know it's far from flawless You'll be coming home regardless Thanks once again to BMC, Eunice, Naja, and Ash for their time and perspectives. I'm really proud of how this conversation turned out, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed and learned from it. We are not done addressing matters of representation and inclusion, of course, and plan to follow up on this subject in future podcasts. These conversations aren't one-and-done deals. It takes persistent work and time to make changes for the better. We hope to continue to do our part in doing that work and putting that time in to uplift as many voices as we can, and help make our community a more respectful, inclusive space. In that spirit, I have several essays, podcasts, videos, and creators that I like to shout out as extensions of this conversation in our community shoutouts for this episode. And I previously highlighted several Black creatives in the community in an earlier episode, and while I won't repeat them myself 
this time again. I'll include a link to that podcast, a link to where you can find those folks in our show notes. But since we brought some up in the show, I'll once again shout out a few, namely Aisha, Mama Loves Manga, and her YouTube channel, and BL Focus Podcast, the Yaoi Shelf, Jack Cottrell of Noir Caesar, and their YouTube channel, in particular their video on how accounts like the X have failed to be inclusive spaces, and what they can do to improve. Akai by Arnie Robinson, which you can read the first chapter of on MetaBank's website. And Owl, the Otaku Warriors for Liberty and Self-Respect, a group of bloggers who've banded together to make any blogging a more inclusive space. So, with that said, let's start spotlighting some other stuff that touches upon some of the topics we discussed in the show, namely regarding gatekeeping in the community. Nasha and Eunice discuss their experiences with men trying to question and gatekeep their fan of anime as black women, and Genial Townsend has wrote an editorial on her similar experiences on this matter on Black Girls Anime's website, BGA News, in a piece called Black Girls Can't Like Anime, in which she outlines this persistent problem of folks pestering black women and why the gatekeeping and hoops women have to go through to prove their fans is bullshit and no one needs to prove their fan of Danny Moon and why, seriously, let just let women enjoy the things they like. Danielle also runs her own blog, Blurdy Otaku, in which she reviews various anime and manga series episode by episode or chapter by chapter, some of her recent reviews including Stars and Rent-A-Girlfriend. She also writes editorials on her site as well, including a piece addressing the recent trend of black artists reimagining anime characters as black and the backlash they have received for that. Janelle's piece points out that blackwashing is not a problem in media or the fan community, while whitewashing and erasing the ethnicities of POC and media is most recently evident with the white Australian colorism of several characters in New Mutants film. And because there is a dirt of black characters in anime manga in particular, black artists enjoy reimagining characters as black in fan art. This practice and trend is done for the purpose of proclamation and desire to see yourself in a real landscape that doesn't represent you. This is different than whitewashing character, which just erases the identity in an orally sparse landscape of representation, and it's usually done under a veneer of racist color references for lighter skin tones. And it's especially suspect when people choose to whitewash the only black or PC character in a piece of media, like with Chocho and Puerto. So blackwashing is not robbing white fans of abundant representation in the media landscape. It's not a problem, and white fans have absolutely no reason to harass black artists for trying to create representation for themselves through imagining an existing character in their fan art. We also discussed the harassment black cosplayers have received out of similar bad fate arguments from bigoted haters who decry that most enemy characters aren't black. So I like to also shout out the Cosplaying Wild Black panel from the Virtual Control Expo. And the panelists, Queenie, uh, Rhea, and Indigo, discuss their experiences and advice navigating the community's black cosplayers, including challenges getting photographed, finding opportunities, fat shaming that is experienced by plus-size cosplayers, working with sponsors, colorism in the community, cosplaying POC characters versus non-POC characters, why you don't need to be the same race as a character to cosplay them, wanting to see more representation in anime, J-fashion, and a ton of other 
really great topics that was really enlightening to listen and learn about and could be especially helpful if you want to learn more about the cosplay scene and the challenges and experiences of black cosplayers in general. There was also a great roundtable conversation of black women anime fans discussing their experiences in fandom during BCRX, and this panel featured Jack A, creator of the Magical Girl comic adorned by Chi, Shoman Sullivan, who is the global social media senior manager at Crunchyroll, Victoria Johnson, host of the Salem Fan Club podcast, cosplayer Kiara Please, and podcaster Monty Blessed, and Destiny, the social media coordinator at Crunchyroll and host of the Getting Anime podcast. They discussed their experiences growing up as anime fans, their excitement finding community and other black women who are anime fans, how their fans have led to their respective careers, their excitement seeing black celebrity women like Megan Thee Stallion showcase their love of anime publicly and help moralize black women's visibility as anime fans of the mainstream. It was a really awesome roundtable of awesome creatives in the industry who really turned their fandom into their profession and are making steps to create services spaces for black fans to be represented in the industry. Virtual CRX also did a great panel with Artel Isam, founder of Darshadajo, and he was interviewed by Roland Kelts, and they went over the perceptions of Japan's understanding of race and racism, how black characters have been represented in anime in the past and currently, and the future of black creative talent working in the industry and how that may improve on-screen representation and help more attentive black stories be told through anime. And in addition, there was also a great interview with Artel, conducted by Alexander Wallian. Gibson over at GQ, where he went over why and how he moved to Japan, how he got to work under his hero, Hermasa Ogura, his experience working in the industry as one of the few black animes in Japan, and his thoughts on representation in anime. So it's just another really great, really insightful interview from Islam we're checking out. And do check out all three of those VCRX panels. I mean, they were only made available over the weekend of the event by Crunchyroll themselves, but all the panels have been thankfully archived by the YouTube channel William Brown, so check them out in the links in the show notes. And also a big thanks to Anime Feminist for including the links to Brown's uploads in their latest weekly roundup posts. I watched the panels live during the event and really enjoyed them, so I'm glad that Brown archived them so people can check them out for themselves and, you know, in case they missed them. So... Yeah, that's really great. It's really important to archive conversations like these, the panels like these. And I hope Crunchyroll will archive their own VODs of their panels from their convention in future iterations of CRS. But speaking of Crunchyroll, I definitely want to shout out the Anime in America podcast they produced, hosted by Yodoya Travis. It's a great chronicle of the origins of the anime industry in America and how it's changed over the decades complete with interviews and professionals who played a part in shaping the industry and were there to witness firsthand how the industry evolved. Travis's narration is great with a lot of charisma, charm, and humor, making jokey asides while still delivering a clear and compelling narrative. Obviously, as a corporate-produced project, it isn't without its biases, especially in non-interrogating controls originals of the piracy site, and repeatedly framing the site as being what everything was leading towards in pretty much every episode. That's the sense they try to give you. But still, it's a great historical chronicle, well-researched with valuable deep cuts and anecdotes, and it's definitely worth listening to enrich your knowledge of the industry's roots. 
I also want to shout out Travis's work on his YouTube channel with his other collab partners, Getting the Robot. The entire GITR team is a great group of diverse people and perspectives, creating both silly, what of content, and solid tutorial videos. One video of Travis's most relevant to this discussion that I think is really worth checking out this is Racism in DBC video. It explores how Dragon Ball means so much to black anime fans who see themselves in Goku's story, but also how the story features unignorable racist black stereotypes and the sort of anti black subtext in the concept of Super Saiyan and the concept of the strong Saiyan being blonde hair to blue eyed and stuff. It's a great video exploring the compromises black DBC fans often have to make to enjoy the media that they can zoom and how they can find meaning in stories that on the whole may be unwelcoming of them. I've got a few more YouTube channels to spotlight, including Soul and the Female Otaku's channel. Soul is a black Puerto Rican culture YouTuber, and she made a video a few months ago exploring how fans can use fan art to support BLM messages effectively and productively, and also save this for protesting and seeing losing the cause. Soul made a lot of great videos, including one that explored the themes of trauma in Infinity Train Books 3, why it's unproductive to get worked up over horny fan art or fictional characters, wanting to see more anime featuring older college-age characters, there's a lot of great videos on our channel that I'd recommend checking out. I'd also like to spot like Buji Fujoshi, a relatively new manga YouTuber that reviews all sorts of manga she collects and reads, and in particular she's a big fan of Jujutsu Kaisen and does weekly reviews of the late chapter. She also made a primer video to go over the who, what, when, and where and why of Jujutsu Kaisen, going over the series' premise and characters what makes it so great. Definitely check out her channel for some really good, positive manga juju. Anime News Network has also gotten into the YouTube scene in recent months, including videos spotlighting upcoming comics written by black creatives and featured black protagonists from Saturday AM, which is really worth checking out. But in addition, they've also been doing a lot of video essays. And one I'd like to spotlight in particular is Jalen Martin's video on the problematic framing of the struggle of marginalized groups in Trigger's shows, namely Pomer and Bright New Animal, namely that in those shows, they frame solving the problem of persecution by integrations through erasure, effectively eradicating the very identity of the oppressed, and homogenizing everyone to be the same. Other areas where they fail at handling their teams includes the detective moralizing of what constitutes a good rebellion from the perspective of someone who is part of the oppressor's identity group, and the orchestrators of repression in both work belonging to the very groups they're persecuting, and many other mixed messages and half-baked ideas about addressing really real problems, systemic racism, violence directed towards marginalized groups, that ultimately don't provide any useful messages about how to actually get shaped societal change. Similarly, Stefan Hero wrote a similar piece on how growing out of messages of Challenging oppression falls flat, compromising its core message of collective action and unity by not empowering all of its characters equally by sexualizing the stereotyping its female characters, turning them into motivators for its male protagonists in service of their character arc rather than their own, to say nothing of the show's homophobia, and problematic characterization of its most prominent gay character. And overall, both J-Log and Stephen's pieces draw attention to how the Spidey Mindshees works frequently featuring marginalized characters challenging correct power structures and political institutions. They fall short of having a cogent and consistent perspective on how to actionably and actually achieve change that uplifts the oppressed rather than homogenizes them and erases their identity and what makes them unique and different. But yeah, another great recent 
Eddie Femme article I'd like to spotlight is Jackson P. Brown's editorial on how Casca can go in berserk challenges the idea of this strong black woman, relating her own personal family history with mental illness and the historical roots and context of the strong black woman trope and explaining why, despite some problematic aspects to how Casca is treated in Berserk's story, Casca's presentation as a complex but vulnerable black woman is one that's really seen in mainstream media, much less most anime, and challenges the harmful and dangerous idea that all black women are strong or must be strong at all times, by showing a black woman with mental illness being looked up for, comforted, and taken care of by other characters while she's on her path to recovery. It's a really great perspective on what makes Casca's character, in spite of the sexual violence and ableism intertwined in the story, a really interesting and important representation of the character of her kind. My last FM shout out goes to Lizzie Vitsante, who runs the blog Bad Nerdy Believing In, and is one of Annie Femme's latest editors. I consulted with Lizzie in the early planning stages of this podcast, and he provided really great advice and suggestions that I'm really thankful for. Their work in editorials and representation, race, and class issues in media are all excellent, as is their latest piece in really exploring where piece of media falls flat and depicting effective revolutioning as the political power structure, namely how Carol in Tuesday overly simplifies its idea of using music as a form of resistance to achieve an easier resolution to believe the need for an organized, long-lasting social movement. My favorite part of the piece was Lizzie exploring the history of how music has been used by real-world marginalized communities historically to challenge and subvert their oppressors and preserve their cultural heritage and identity which puts really great insight on the power of music as a tool of resistance and helped illustrate the ways where Kevin Tuesday succeeds and fails in depicting this. So I thought that was a really fascinating article. Even though we had a lot of praise for Carolyn Tuesday on the show, I think it is worth pointing out that sometimes there are limits to how far political messages in a piece of media can go. In terms of making a point that is generally radical and challenges the status quo of things. But another Anifem editor whose work I'd like to highlight is Mercedes Pluis, who has been writing a ton of great Iridori Dujinshi reviews on her blog Back with Pixels, blogging her personal experiences, and contributing to the Anifem Seasonal Digest. I really look forward to her retrospective on the OEL manga DramaCon, which is perhaps one of the most successful OEL manga of the mid-2000s, whose author, Svetlana Shemakov, has continued to be a prolific comics creator. And I'm excited to read Mercedes' perspective on the series as someone who was inspired to attend comics and kind of welcome and thanks to it. And now I'd like to close out my shout-outs on this podcast by Benning Lee, shouting out some more podcasts to check out. I mentioned her earlier, but I really enjoy Disney's podcast, Getting Animated which is a solo-hosted show where Disney discusses a show she's watching, topics pertaining to ongoing conversations in the community, or just catching up on shows and sharing what she's enough to. She does a lot of different stuff on her show, and so it was a fun, informative listen. I also really like the Anime Tea Podcast for similar reasons. Phoenix runs a great casual conversational podcast, chatting about anime of all sorts and interviewing tons of wonderful guests with great insights and projects to share about their first historical topics. I particularly enjoyed her interview with Jack Cottrell, going to their career history with North Caesar, their upcoming manga, Hanagotaba, and these are topics we also discussed in our interview with Jack, which you can listen to right now on our Patreon and look forward to coming out on our main feed in a couple months, but Phoenix's interview with Jack is also very informative as a listen, and definitely gave me a lot of ideas for when we conducted our own podcast with Jack, so definitely check her works and the interviews she conducts out. She does a really great job. 
And I also like the Did You Have To podcast, the podcast that primarily reviews live-action anime adaptations, but occasionally does special episodes on newer anime, like Japan Sings or BNA, and topic episodes, like a really fun one they did recently on Himbos. And Lanisha and Kate have great chemistry, and it's tons of fun listening to them riff on bad live-action anime films and celebrate the food they really click with, like the live-action Wonderboy film. It's a really great concept for a podcast, and really, it's so fun listening if you've ever been morbidly curious or want to commiserate about how bad live-action anime films can be. And the final podcast I'd like to shout out is Melon and Animated, a podcast dedicated to discussing the representation of black characters in cartoons in general. The first two episodes are a good discussion on what constitutes good or problematic representation in media, and they've also discussed their childhood favorites and conducted a great interview with the creative team behind Kipple and the Age of the Wonder Bees. All the podcasts so far have been really good listens, and it's great to have a podcast dedicated to spotlighting the system representation in the country specifically. Finally, this isn't anime or manga specific, but I think it's still relevant to our conversation, so I want to shout out Jimmy Horoa's interview with John Boyega on GQ, which documents Boyega's career, discusses his unpleasant experiences working with Disney, his activism in the Black Lives Matter movement, and calls for better treatment of black careers on screen behind the scenes of the movie industry. It's really encouraging to see a big name star like Boyega actively participate in advocate for changes to the current social movement. And his is an inspiring story in general, and I think it is really worth sharing and reading, touching upon a lot of issues we discussed in this podcast, and opening up the conversation beyond media into the culture as a whole. But that's it for shoutouts for now. Please do check all these fine folks, articles, videos, podcasts, resources out. This podcast may be over, but this conversation is far from done. And we'll continue to highlight people doing the work to discuss these issues in the community and putting in the effort to create kinder, more inclusive spaces. But until the next time we touch upon these topics again, please also check out our other work podcasts. You can find me, Adam Lianch, on Twitter and Islam Lianch at a variety of places like Irish Revelation on Discord, wherever there's a Lamarasha, that's where you can find me. You can read my mug reviews on modashcom.com. We've got a lot of books coming in, we got a lot of reviews coming out, so please do check them out on there. And of course, allcomic.com is where you can find manga mavericks and all related podcasts, including mavericks for movies, manga fights, lump squad. You can also find manga mavericks specifically on Twitter, at manga underscore mavericks, on Tumblr, manga mavericks.tumblr.com, on YouTube, at youtube, slash manga mavericks, and you can just search in the search bar as well. I mean, we're on pretty much every podcast platform of choice, like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. As you can think of it, we're probably on there, and if you like the show, please leave us a rating review. Any and all feedback really helps us out. If you have even more detailed thoughts about the show, you can send us an email at mongamax.gmail.com. We really appreciate your thoughts and criticisms. I would love to get feedback on this episode in particular, what we did well, what we could improve on, what would you like to see from us in the future. And if you would like to support the work we do and get early access to this important podcast, you can support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash We offer early access to our patrons that are $2 tier which currently includes five episodes of the show on there that are available months in advance under pending public posting dates. So you can listen to a lot of great episodes early on there. But also on our $5 tier, we offer monthly bonus podcasts, which includes exclusive reviews of manga and movies. And our current project is a St. Sia reads through by Colton and Docker as they go through St. Sia the manga for the first time, two volumes at a time. And we also offer bloopers from our podcast, show notes, the ability to commission a podcast from us on our higher tiers, so check those out as well. 
But yeah, thank you guys for your continued support and look forward to more great stuff from us coming your way in the months and years ahead. But that should about do it for our plugs and for this episode. And so before we go, I'll leave you with this message once again and for always. Black Lives Matter. Alright, so this is this is my this is what I need to do. I know I need to do something to feel better. This is it. So stop asking me all these questions. Stop trying to take this away from me. I have chosen House Joe Star and I got it right. You can tell from singing my demeanor and my body type. A heart split in two, part boo, part honorable. One part cool plus two parts comical. And look at what I wear, I keep my hair asymmetrical. I drink too much beer, I should eat more vegetables. And my waistline will be like I remember it. And you would see the feel, there's a striking resemblance. Cause show the blaze. Strong in the Joe Star family. I know cause I belong to the Joe Star family. You're looking at me like open mic. How can it be? I say it real slow, cause you ain't understanding me. I'm a Joe Star. I hear you saying oh my God. I'm trying Directed. to I'm a Joe Star. Yeah, I will never be a co-star. No. I don't give a fuck if I'm a brother, I'm a Joe Star. Either from my father or my mother, I'm a Joe Star. I ain't British, I ain't Japanese, I'm a Joe Star. Tap into my power when I breathe, I'm a Joe Star. I've been waiting for four years and five seasons. Five well, goddammit, it's my turn, it's my season. In this chapter, JoJo is African. And it's me, Mike Eagle, I'm the protagonist. It's me. And it's set in South Central Los Angeles. Cause goddammit, it's my turn, it's my saga. It's a special edition of Open Mike's manga. So draw me in a fiesta or a white hunt. In my stand, goddammit, his name is Black Magic. He got a glow like show enough from last track. It's a black rebrand, so draw it free handed. Joe M.E. and Arsenio Speedwagon. I'm a Joe Star. I hear you saying, oh my God. I'm trying to tell you I'm a Joe Star. I will never be a co-star, no. I'm a Joe Star. I hear you saying, oh my God. I'm trying to tell you I'm a Joe Star. Five-point star on my neck, I'm a Joe star. See my shoulders and my silhouette, I'm a Joe star. Give the name Eagle in my mind, I'm a Joe star. Yeah, I'm human, I identify as a Joe star.